The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Garden. We're here with you for the next three hours, and we're looking so forward to it. I'm Veda with Palladio. Yes, she is, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder, the other guy. We are so glad to be here with y'all this morning. I'm here with Jim from Dam West and no, Jim from Dam West and Kenneth from the other well, guy. Jim used to be at Dam West. I <laughs> know it's why it just sounded so. Or Jim with Stringers, oh. or Jim with the Botanic Gardens. What's the I've had a heck of a time keeping a job? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. We can look at it that way. Or you're just so smart, you have to keep moving on for challenges. What's the weather today? Is it? Got uh, and like starts out at like fifty percent chance of thunderstorms to eighty percent oh. later on. There's oh. already some magnificent lighting up north of us here in Tipton County. Couldn't hear it this morning, but it was just spectacular cloud to cloud lightning. Really? Yeah. So that that means you've been up almost all night I, watching well, lightning. Most of it. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Well, y'all, I got oh. pretty lucky. You know, I told you mm-hmm. the mimosa tree fell in my backyard. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it fell yeah. across the fence and into my neighbor's yard mm-hmm. behind me, right? And, uh, you know, the, I got home the other day, and I heard a chainsaw going, okay? Well, he's back there doing his part. He's cutting, you know, what fell on his property. He's just cutting it up in small pieces and taking it out to the street for the most part. Um, but it was Sunday, uh, actually, and, and during the day, my wife heard it also. She kind of walked out there just to tell the guy, hey, we're really sorry about the mm. tree coming down and the fence and all this stuff. And the guy said, hey, you know, I get it. It happens. You know, Mother Nature, we can't do anything about it other than clean up after the mess, right? But then he said, hey, do you mind if <laughs> I cut the tree all the way back to the stump? And the, oh. You know, and the root ball's up in the air, yeah. right? Gina went, no, we don't mind at all. Right. He said, because I love mimosa wood. I'm going to do oh, something nice. with it. Mm-hmm. So how lucky did that, I get? This guy know, right? has cut it back all the way uh-huh. to the root ball. Yeah. So all I got to do is get rid of the huge root ball now. And then now. he's going to use the wood for something else. For so something. that's great. So this turned into kind of a, like a positive, right? Because right. he got the wood mm-hmm. that he wanted, and I got it cut back all the way to the yeah. stump. I wonder which is harder to get rid of, the stump or the tree. The, the root <laughs> ball. Stump. The root ball. This, thing's, right. this thing is massive. Maybe just compost. You can plant some um, vertical gardening on it. I'm getting rid of this thing. It's coming out of that bed. I'm gonna, I don't care if I have to cut it in two-inch squares. It's coming out. It might take me 20 years to do it, but it's it's leaving. It's leaving. Yeah. So um, so that's a good, you know, mm-hmm. a good positive that thing. Good. That is good. I know. I was looking at... The news this week of all the other trees that are falling around towns, you know, still every week and just in different places. And I'm thinking, I'm hoping we're replacing, you know, planting a tree for every tree that fell. Well, it's like if a tree falls in the jungle, it doesn't Mm -hmm. make a big difference. I mean, in Memphis, Shelby County is a jungle of oak Mm -hmm. trees. I mean, mean, you you know, you've flown over Memphis before. I mean, it, it is nothing but trees i know i'm always worried though because if they keep falling and we don't keep putting them up where won't be a jungle well, or yeah. it'll be a while before they get big again yeah so i mean and i, I don't know if i'm gonna put another i probably will put another mimosa <laughs> mimosa you have to. i mean and, i'm a mimosa fan but the more you you know if you ever get on the internet and read about mimosa mm-hmm. trees you would never in your life plant one yeah ever because of all the bad things they say about them you know they're messy and they get the worms mm-hmm. and they spread you know they're invasive yeah 
And some of that is is true, uh, but none of it is to the extent where I ever had a problem, honestly. I know, because when I was growing up, we had a mimosa, but it was out in the country, so there was all other variables that, you know, maybe I didn't notice they were coming up, but... I don't seem like we, there were a negative. But it's like Jim said, don't go to a nursery and try to find one. Yeah, <laughs> you won't. <laughs> You're just not going to find one, okay? Right. But also, uh, this morning, you know, next weekend is the Great Tomato Contest. I mean, that's where, you know, the big boys come out yeah. and just see what, uh, see if they can win a, a trophy or, or a monetary, uh, you know, awards, mm-hmm. but also, you know, the bragging rights behind it. And we have the handouts laid out on the calendar counter. And I'll see a man walk up, and they're like, hmm, what's mm-hmm. this? And I said, do you have a tomato growing now? They're like, I do. Mm-hmm. Like, you might want to enter it. And they're like, hmm. I said, prizes and bragging rights. Yeah. They're like, hmm. So I think I got some new entries you coming along. Yeah. You probably did. But, of course, that's at the Red Barn at the Agri Center uh, next Saturday from, uh, what, 9 to 3. But this morning, we've got some guys coming in and ladies to talk about the Great Tomato Contest that's coming up. Next weekend, and then one of our only here, uh, Mr. Mr. Jim Crowder, Mr. Mr. Jim Crowder, <laughs> is uh, you're going to be one of the judges, Jim, again this year. Mm, I am, yes. See, and I don't know how he weasels his way in there, because Jim loves <laughs> tomatoes like I do. Yeah. So, th- I mean, it's like, you know, a, a steak contest, right? If you love mm. steak, I mean, wouldn't you like to be there? Yeah. This Same is thing true. with yeah. tomatoes. Right. He's, he's So he's in. That's smart. He's got it. <laughs> and they should be here, what, about 7 o'clock this morning? I think so. They must be getting ready because I hadn't had a text from Jan yet. So they're hurrying. Just yeah. cooking. Well, yeah, then I got a text last night that she said, hope she can get the bacon smell out of her hair. So mm-hmm. you know she's bringing something up here. Right, right. So good for us is all I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Man, well, but um, so it looks like the weather coming up is going to be partly rainy, partly cloudy, partly rainy, partly sunny. It might rain, might not rain all yeah, week. We, we got a good chance of rain all week. Yeah, so yeah. I'm liking that. <clears throat> So if you're going to put your fertilizer out on your lawn, this is a good week to get it done, right? Mm-hmm. Did you get my fertilizer? Did I did. You got it in the other day, Mr. <laughs> cool. Jim. All right. Um, yeah, so Jim wanted some uh, 1266, you mm-hmm. know, which is a lot of different names, right? But it's typically just a good, non-burning, slow-release, three-month feed type fertilizer. And we have probably sold more 1266 this year than we ever have. Because they're, again, starting back after the flash freeze we had. Mm-hmm. Things looked so bad in the spring People were cleaning out the dead tissue and feeding these things to try to stimulate growth, mm-hmm. right? And I know there's a million things you can feed trees and shrubs with, but this is a pretty neat product because it's one of those you throw it out and forget about it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it's a little cheaper than Osmocote. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. It's always good, yeah. But feeding, man, you know, feeding is really the name of the game. And, and on the on the next segment, y'all, when we go to the break, I'm going to ask y'all's opinion. Uh, I went and looked at a row of hollies yesterday, as a matter of fact. Uh, and this is in a gated community, and it borders the, you know, the the wrought iron fence, if you will. And these hollies took a beating over the winter. And the question is, is do they just replace them all? And it's a lot of them. They've probably been there 25 years. Or do we go in there and just selectively cut out all the dead, maybe even cut them back about a third, and then get on an aggressive feeding program? You know, I know, you know, I was looking at some earlier, or I know I was thinking about this. I've been looking at the same shrubs now for a couple of weeks, and right. they've flushed out, but then that's it. 
nothing else is happening. Well, and my thing is on these hollies, you know, what has flushed out? I mean, that's all that's going to flush. Right, yeah. I mean, because that dead tissue is dead. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, that dead tissue does you no good. And there's a lot of dead in there. But in my mind, these hollies that have been there for, like I said, 20 years, maybe 25 years, they've got a good root system. I know, I wonder. Because, I mean, I'm seeing viburnum just flush right back out and looking good and lush. Right. So Uh, I guarantee you, just cutting these things back about a third, getting all that dead tissue out of there and doing some aggressive feeding starting now, uh, you know, it's going to look ugly for a while. But in the long run, you know, I think there again with that extensive root system that they already have, it shouldn't take years for this thing to really flush, or these, to flush back out and look decent again. Wouldn't you think? No, oh, I'd just say y'all need to replace all of them. That's <laughs> what I'm, I'm beginning to feel <laughs> well, that way. Now, and, and That's look, the businessman part. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, I mean, in reality, though, and, and like I told the gentleman yesterday, I mean, th- you know, if this was in my backyard, I would have already cut them down, dug them up, and started thinking about replacing because that's how bad they look, mm-hmm. honestly, uh, as far as aesthetics go. But as far as rea- you know, being real, yes, that's always an option, and to me, it's still the best option. But if that's not the way that they want to go, I think cutting these things back about a third, cutting all the dead out of there, and it's a lot of it, guys. These, you know how hollies are. They're going to come back out. So, you know, that's always an option, too. It's just, I guess it depends on how long you want to look at it. Yeah. That, you know, that doesn't look beautiful like it used to. Mm -hmm. Or how much money you want to spend on fertilizing extra, watering extra, pruning extra, you know, also labor. Look at that, too. Well, and like the guy told me, he said, do I want to spend all this money, or the the homeowners association, spend all this money getting these things cleaned up, cut back, and fed, or do I just take that money and put it into getting them all out of here? You know, yeah, that's, that's, because if I mean, imagine it's going to cost just as much to pay somebody to cut them up as it would to dig them out because you're going to be doing more timely pruning, mm-hmm. and then maintenance mm-hmm. companies are probably not going to take time to prune them properly. I don't know. I mean, it was a dilemma. You know, you can go one way or the other, and I'll just, and I know which way I would go. But being, I mean, so many of them, Beta, Jim, uh, you know, it's a tough call, I'm telling you. All right, we're going to go to a break. <laughs> Jim. And we'll talk about this more when we come back. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. You can give us a call, 901-260-5926. You can also... Post a question on our Facebook Live page. Yeah, the Mighty 990 Facebook page, uh, Miss South Gardening. People do it all the time. And like Veda just said, give us a call, 260-5926. So, you know, and I'll get off the subject in just a second, but I can see it if people have one or two shrubs that don't look good. Mm-hmm. They're out of there automatically. Gone, something else in there, something new. But if you've got a whole property that's bordered uh, by these hollies, and we're talking about a lot of them, you know, yeah, and, and like I said, they're going to, I guess it's going to come down to what are these, how long do these p- people want to wait before it starts looking good again? Because you know if you go in there and really cut hollies back that were damaged in the wintertime, Jim, Beta, and clean out all that dead. I mean, in some cases, you, you're going to have just a big s- trunk sticking up. 
You know what I'm thinking right now? It's summertime. I just let them try to do their thing and then yeah, decide. It's, it's the wrong time to try to replace them. You know, too yeah. much maintenance involved. Yeah. Because, you, you know, they're going to have to have extra water and you've got homeowners yeah. that may not pay attention to that. Oh, yeah. So that's that creates a problem. Uh, you know, it, if they were mine, um, I, I would probably want to just remove them and replace them if privacy is the issue. Yeah, well, it's a sound barrier, and it is privacy right. also. Because it is going to take several years for them to, it's going to. to look good again. Yeah. Now, they're going to get, I think, another flush of growth regardless uh, between now and in fall. Um, it's no, no. It's no, a no, hard it's, call. It is. It really is. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, you could go in there and clean them up, cut all the dead tissue out, yeah. cut them back, and... You know, wait and see what happens. But uh, I get it, man. I, I truly get it. Mm. Yeah, I saw one uh, arborvitae that looked like it was recovering wonderfully, and it was a vine growing up through the middle of it. It covered the outside yeah. green. As it got closer, I was like, no, wait, that's a vine in there. That's like you'll see somebody will ask, what's the, what is this tree, and it's blooming. <laughs> and um, you just can't figure out the blooms or describing it to you. And then – you go look at it and realize it was a blooming vine that climbed in through a tree, mm-hmm. and the blooms were showing. God. <laughs> like, oh, darn, I thought we had found something really unique and cool. But well, a lot of times it's what's growing in with what's already there that makes it confusing on identification. Well, let me tell you what, speaking of vines, Veda, I've got a new love for cross vine. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, if you ever go to a garden center and you see cross vine growing in a container— yeah, I mean, it looks a little woodsy looking. It's not that neat, you know, appearance just growing out of a pot at a garden yeah. center. But I saw a wall full of cross vine yesterday. And I'm telling you, and it came out of just one one vine. Yeah. And this wall, this was a brick wall that was 25 foot wide and, and maybe 10, 10 foot tall. And it was like every leaf was perfectly laid mm-hmm. on the wall, I'm telling you. And then some blooms coming out of it. And I'm like... You know, that's cross vine. That's the way cross vine will look if you give it time. Right. And, you know, in my mind, I'm always looking at this little three-gallon pot growing mm-hmm. up on a stick. And it just, to me, there again, it looks just kind of like a woodsy little vine. But if you ever see one in its full glory, you it, it is a vine that, that, that people need to take heed of. I'm telling you, it, it was absolutely beautiful. And we all know that cross vine is a semi-evergreen vine. It's not ever evergreen. You go dro- It's going to drop some leaves in the wintertime. But they typically don't go completely deciduous in the winter either. So, you you know, it's it's kind of the best of both worlds. Oh, it's one of my favorites. I grew that on my arbor, and it covered it so quickly. And what was so neat about it as well was the leaves go burgundy in the fall. And then in the spring, they all fall off, but new ones come back on. But the bloom is just incredible. So it's definitely, it definitely is. a it was a, But it was vine. a good tight fit on mm-hmm. that wall, too. Yeah. It's not like it was hanging way out over, yeah. you know, the wall. You got to get in there and prune them up. I mean, this, this it looked really good. And the only thing this gentleman ever does to it is just cut the top of it. You know, mm-hmm. he just keeps yeah. it trimmed at the top is all he does. And he said, unfortunately, he has to do that quite often. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it was a it was a beautiful wall, I'm telling you. And, you know, some people put pyracanthas, and I know there's other vines you can put up there. But uh, it, it made me think about, hey, I've got a new look for cross vine these days. What about porcelain vine? Have you ever grown porcelain vine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it goes the variegated in. one. Yeah. Uh, I had it on a fence, and, and it's, it's real pretty. Yeah. 
it tends to sprout a lot of green. And so mm-hmm. if you don't keep the green out of it, yeah. you know, it'll... Uh, it'll overtake it and just your variegate will just disappear. Oh, and the variegation is what makes it pretty. It really I does. see it for sale sometimes in garden centers, but I see it growing in the wild yeah, a lot it's, too. You know, like a lot of vines, it can be aggressive. You know, even, you know, um, your cross vine can be extremely aggressive. Sure. Put plant it in the flower bed and then next year, about 10 feet down the, hmm. the fence, it's coming up there mm-hmm. again. And then the next year it's, going both directions and yeah so it uh, it has to be managed some you know um but it is uh, it is a, a now i can't remember is porcelain yeah. vine self-adhesive does it stick or does it need it something curls. to it needs something to grow on yeah yeah yeah, yeah because the cross vine is self-adhesive i mean it would stick mm-hmm. to the wall kind of like english ivy would mm-hmm. oh it sticks i'm telling you it was it was it's stuck to that wall um so yeah, I mean, I mean, so keep that in mind too. If you're if you're trying to cover a wall or, or fence or whatever, some vines need something to grow on. Uh, some vines are self adhesive; they'll just stick yeah. right up to it. But also, guys, you know, we everybody's got a wisteria story. Speaking <laughs> of vines, right? True. I was talking to a lady this week, and she had moved into a house, and of course, someone had planted a wisteria, the Asian variety, the chinensis or whatever. And she said, "This thing is is trying to take over the." their whole landscape. And she said, Kenny, do you know somebody that can just come get this thing out? I don't care how they do it. If they had to bring in a backhoe to get it out. I mean, she was, that's how, where she is with this. Digging it out. Yeah. She wants it out of there. And, but she said, but I want, you know, I want a vine there, but I just don't want that vine there. And I was like, well, wisteria kind of gets a bad rap. I mean, there, cause there are different varieties of wisteria. You know, for the for example, we've talked about this before, the Amethyst Falls, mm-hmm. which is the American variety of an you know, of wisteria. It's not the Asian, it's the American. And it grows about a third of what the Asians grow. So it it is a beautiful, wonderful, heavy blooming wisteria, but it's not so aggressive where it just takes over to where when we hear the word wisteria, you know, we're thinking kudzu, you know? Mm-hmm. Run. Yeah. Um, so she's going to get this thing taken out, dug out. And sh- since she does love wisteria, she's going to come back with the Amethyst Falls, which mm-hmm. is that American variety. And she knows now that that variety is not near as aggressive as these Asian varieties. So, you, you know, know, another one to consider, too, is Blue Moon. That's uh, my favorite of the uh, of the native ones. It, uh, in fact, it will... It blooms heavily in the spring and then also throws flowers in July and August. And are those the bluish-purple blooms yep. also, Jim? Mm-hmm. It said blue yeah. moon, no, I'm the, assuming. The flower is not quite as long a cluster, uh, but there are a lot of them. So it's a, it's an excellent variety to get you some, have some uh, late-season color in it. Now, it's not you know a mass of color like it is in the spring. Oh, I get it. Yeah. But it does have, uh, have some really pretty flowers or even the... Um, um, the false wisteria, and I got one in my mailbox and can't think of the name. <laughs> but is it, is it a true wisteria? It's well, no, it's not. Yeah. It's called an evergreen wisteria, but here it's not yeah. evergreen. You yeah. go a little further south. Uh, but it has a, a really unique purple flower throughout the summer instead of early in the spring. So it's it's a good one. Well, why did so many people plant the the Asian varieties? Back, well, it's way what back we had. had. Yeah, you know the. Whenever plants first come into the market, people go, oh, I want that. And yes. so, you know, being able to have that wisteria, 
you know, and there were so many colors, you know, back in the in 1970s or so, we had just three or four varieties we could offer. Uh, we had a, a white one that had mm-hmm. like four foot flowers on it. It was really unique. And Monrovia was, they were mm-hmm. kind of the, the instigators, I think, of growing wisteria. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, there's there some really cool ones out there, but most of the oriental ones are very aggressive. They are. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this young lady was talking about. I yeah. do like the evergreen wisteria. Yeah, it's a good plant. Um, and the evergreen clematis. And oh, do yeah. you know, oh, I yeah. think I've asked you this before, but do you know how to tell the difference between a Japanese wisteria and a Chinese wisteria? No. Okay, Chinese does curls counterclockwise. Japanese curls clockwise. Crazy. I thought it was going to be a joke, but that still kind of sounds like it could be a joke. No, that's, <laughs> that's gospel. <laughs> that Wait, not. which one? One's no. counterclockwise, which is which one? Chinese. No, and the Chinese and, and the of Japanese. Of course, you know, you'll look it up now, and I may have that backwards. But, but the I Chinese and the Japanese, they're still very aggressive growers. They are. Compared yeah, it's to, what escaped into the wild mm-hmm. here, you know, that makes such a spectacular show all up through the mm-hmm. trees and, you know, in the spring. Down Cooper. Uh, 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 Sam Cooper, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the place. Well, the reason we're Amazing. bringing this up, you don't have to be afraid of the word wisteria. Mm-hmm. I mean, because these, these new cultivars, these, these American varieties, they're not near as aggressive as these Asian varieties, so keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. like at yeah. Phillips' parents' house, they have one like a, a tree, and so we just keep it kind of in a tree form oh. because it's pretty that way. And the bird nest is in there, too. Oh, Lord. Right. All right, y'all, hang on. We'll be right back. We'd love to give you, or we would love for you to give us a call, 901-260-5926. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening, 901-260-5926. She's bouncing in her chair again, 901-260-5926, or uh, shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, any text you want, ask us a question, and if you happen to miss all of this, you can always go back and listen mm-hmm. to the podcast at any time you want, kwamradio.com, streaming yeah. live all the time. Hey, what happens um, if you get scared to death? I mean, like, just think, what you happens die? if you get scared to death, scared half to death? Okay, that's better. What happens if you get scared half to death twice? You must have you stepped on a snake or something. No, if you're scared half to death Well, if you got death, scared half twice. to death, you then get scared half again. Yeah, and that's only three-fourths. That's right. Would half that really of half. be? Yeah. <laughs> In theory, you could never so, get to death to be- <laughs> because there's always something left. <laughs> I knew there was a mathematical thing like that. You know, it it sounds good, but when you actually put the math to it, so so if you get scared half to death twice, you're still going to be alive. Oh, so but what yeah. what did scare you half to death? Oh, nothing. I'm oh. fearless. Oh, psh. God. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't say that. I just thought you might have, you know, seen something that you hadn't seen lately. Like, right. kind of like the other day when I was washing the, you know how algae and moss are, mm-hmm. are <laughs> what is it, algae? And I guess, I don't know what it is, yeah. mold, I guess, can grow on like the side of dormers that are on yeah. the house, like my house, mm-hmm. uh, because typically, you know, it's more shaded, you know, the way it's situated. But anyway, I was up there on a ladder, hanging on a ladder with one arm, mm-hmm. one foot on the roof. The other hand has got a long-handled brush, 
<laughs> and I'm trying to squirt Clorox on there at the same time and brush the side yeah. of this thing. Well, I'm doing all of this, okay? And it, the whole theory here is not to fall off the ladder. Right, right. And I look up, and there's a, you know, a wasp nest, like, right there oh. above my head. Mm-hmm. In fact, in my notes today, and we'll talk about this later, I've got wasp, kill or not kill. So we'll get into that oh, later on. funny you have that in your notes, so I got some answers on that. But I'm just, so, talking about, you know, you're saying scared half uh, to death. That, did, that would do it, Well, it's too. not really um, the wasp that scared me so much. It was just the predicament I was in at the <laughs> right. moment, and the Good wasps point. were pretty close to my head. I would say the thing that scares me half to death is Memphis drivers now. Oh, yeah, well. That goes without saying. Yeah. You know, you, like this morning, you get on the interstate, you get in the slow lane, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. you're doing 75 miles an hour. Right, right. Yeah. I, there was a white car that passed this morning. Had to be going well over 100. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was flying. Oh, yeah, Jim. Yeah. I know. Or how they squeeze in between. Yeah. And I'm trying to let off so they can just squeeze in between if they have to do it. If you have to beat me to the stoplight, then go. <laughs> yeah. And the light's red always. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to John. That's true. Let's go to John. Good morning, John. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning. Hey, John. Good morning, buddy. Hey, I've got a little area I'm trying to grow some Bermuda on, and uh, it's getting yellow patches and bare spots. And uh, it's surrounded by concrete, and then it gets runoff from a gravel parking area with white, chalky, new gravel. And I was wondering if that need, if it needs lime or if it needs the opposite of lime from that gravel, chalky, milky rainwater. Almost water. sounds like the opposite. Yeah, yeah. I would test it first. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, um, I, I don't have a pH meter, and I can't find anybody with one to borrow, and well, I can't find one on sale anywhere. <laughs> yeah, because they're nice, aren't they? <laughs> I love the way you said on sale. On sale yeah. John, Just get a little sample by one of the garden centers. Most yeah. all the independents will check it for free. For yeah. You. Yeah. If you just oh, get, okay. you know, about the size of a red solo cup, it needs to be a decent size. Uh, you know, just a good okay. full coffee cup uh, of soil. And, uh, yeah, we'll do a free, eight, free pH test for you. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's important to know what your pH is. But a lot of times when you have that gravel, especially that gravel that's got the white chalky stuff, mm-hmm. usually that's more alkaline than not. But even with that, that's not going to change your pH overnight. But regardless, you still need to know what your pH is. Yeah, because if, if your pH is really high, it's locking up the iron, which is making your grass yellow. And if it's very so, acidic, you know, it's locking up the nutrients. Right. That, so. Uh, so you want that pH around anywhere between 6.2 and 6.8, 6.5 being ideal. But, you know, I would put okay. a lot of... So com- get, a, get, a, Go ahead. get a little scoop, get a little, a uh, couple of tablespoons from four or five different... It's not a big area. Well, yeah, you're but right. Pick, get it from below the surface, though. You know, get okay. down two or three inches deep before you take your sample. But, and, but and don't, it, just, don't just get one scoop. Well, right? if it's a small area, John, one scoop would probably give you an idea of what that whole little area, uh, what the pH is. Now, if it's a bigger area, then we always tell people to try to get it from three or four different places, put it in the same cup, and you get an overall reading that way. But if it's a small area, no, you can just take it from one spot. Okay. And uh, will a blue solo cup work? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this is not a blue state, dude. <laughs> I got hey, you, John. One, one more quick question. Uh, I don't know if it's quick or not, but if I'm wearing out my welcome, you let me know. No, you're is fine. This, uh, 
Is this a boom year for vole population? Yes. V-O-L-E? Yes. You know, it seems like every year there's there's a varmint of the year, and I'm with you, John. I mean, I think this year is the is the vole. I mean, it's I, I've had so many people come into the garden center going, "What in the heck can I do about these things?" And we always do, but it seems like this year even more than ever. Yeah, I've trapped eight or nine with the peanut butter under peanut butter mouse traps under bucket. Boy, you're right. But they, it's quit working. Oh well, now and let's I, see. Can I know there's. I Kenneth, know they're still there, though. There's new holes everywhere. Well, well I, Kenneth had a new recommendation last week yeah, or something always, to I, use, I and always, so maybe you can switch to their a new appetite. Well, I say, uh, you know, people use peanut butter. I get that. But I've always said the best bait in the world is a pecan, mm-hmm. right? Um, so oh, you might okay. try some pecans. But then I was reading last week, uh, it was apple cinnamon oatmeal i swear john that's what they were recommending apple cinnamon oatmeal they say take a little well, spoon of that wet it down clump it on there and they say it's the best bait in the world for voles even though i still think pecans are all righty well uh i'm i'm thinking i should have bought some cherry bombs and just <laughs> but it, all Happy the fireworks cans are gone yeah <laughs> Hey, there's a permanent one in Lakeland. This is true. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, right. John. Thanks that's, a lot. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, thanks for the call. <laughs> yeah, you could also add some compost on those areas mm. in that in the lawn, especially since it's smaller. I mean, compost doesn't uh, immediately adjust your pH, but it can definitely help um, with the improvement of nutrients and mm. um, for the for the uh, lime mm. or the acidity. So if it, if it's really high, if it's really acidic, what is it going to do? I mean, if it's really alkaline. Well, it's usually not. Uh, you know, usually around here, our soils are just generally acidic. Where we're, mm-hmm. That's why we're typically adding lime. Hardly ever are we trying to bring the pH down. Right. So if, if it's if it But is, if that is the case, just get some granulated sulfur, soil mm-hmm. sulfur, put it out there, and that would bring it down. But my thing is, if he's got... You know, if it's not a big area, it's not even unquestionable, in my opinion, go in there and just resod the area. Just just start fresh, okay? But then you're right. You do have to figure out why is that grass dying because uh, Bermuda can take some some pretty good abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, whether that's a drainage issue because he said it was surrounded by concrete. Yeah, or uh, the lime leaching from the um, surrounding what did he say? He had a gravel, gravel. area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but usually lime, lime to me is not usually a live or die situation. I mean, yeah, it can surely make a difference on the way your Bermuda is growing or not growing. But causing the, the Bermuda to actually turn yellow like that, maybe over a long period of time. But Well, in particular, he said in patches. That yeah. makes me think that there's something else going me on. Me too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And whether that's dog urine or whether that's... Um, you know, a fertilizer burn or whatever, but, um, yeah, right, I mean, so. but, but you still want to know what the pH is. Every homeowner mm-hmm. that has a lawn needs to know what their pH yeah, is. Yeah. So he's got to call us back and let us know what he found out with that. But yeah, compost, um, always the, some of the liquid microorganisms like the microbrew, the mm-hmm. humic acid, all those can really help start healing the soil, uh, sequestering carbon, putting mm-hmm. the carbon back into the soil. And that, no, by default, is going to make anything grow better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so you could check that out. I remember um, in our new new yard, and, of course, I said I did everything natural and organic, but there was one piece, four by four by four maybe, four by six kind of thing, 
couldn't make it work. You know, I did some extra fertilizer, threw it a little extra water, you know, and I was like, eh, okay, I know something else is going on. Mm-hmm. I started thinking, okay, new construction. Mm-hmm. So I cut some of the sod, started rolling it back, and there was a plank of plywood underneath Oh, sure it was, yeah. So no matter what I did, it still wasn't going to look as good as the other. So there's always, there could be something a little Especially when you're talking about a new constructed house, yes. Right, right. Okay, let's run to another break. Thank you for the call, and we'd like to get more calls. We'd love to hear what's going on in y'all's yard. Uh, 901-260-5926. You're listening to KWAM. Gardeners, welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all can be with us today. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926. Go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page and shoot us a text, Mid-South Gardening there. And then, like we always say, if you listen uh, later on, if you miss all this, you can listen later on to the podcast, uh, KWAM Radio Veda. KWAM Radio? KWAM Radio. The Mighty990.com. Yeah, they both get you there. I read this saying. It's one of my favorite sayings by John Muir. Uh, when, when one tugs at a single thing in nature, he finds it's attached to the rest of the world. You know, John, John Muir is like the father of forestry. <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah. the, the ecosystem is, is, they're like little stepping stones. Yeah, it's John know? of the mountains and father of the natural forest. He's just, what a job that he had. Fun, traveling around, discovering things, making national parks, philosopher, author, zoologist. Hmm. I know, sounds fun. Yeah, I got around, but but think about it. I mean, you know, there again, Vaden, you always say this like, when you were a younger young lady, mm-hmm. uh, child, walking through the woods, okay? <laughs> yeah. Be very careful. I know. Well, <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm, keep but going. She's mm-hmm. close enough to hit you. But walking through the woods, yeah. okay? Um, you know, what's below your feet is organic matter that's been building up for God knows how long, right? Yeah. Well, and then... You see a tree. The tree has roots. The roots are growing or getting the nutrients from that organic matter that's building up forever. Mm, you know, leaves yeah. falling down, decomposing, all that stuff, dead bugs, whatever. But you're right. I mean, we are just walking through the woods. Yeah. You know, you said because once you tug on something, you're tugging on all of nature mm-hmm. because yeah. all of it is connected yes, in some kind of way. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's just that we don't need to. To know, mm-hmm. uh, all we're seeing are the trees and the grasses or whatever, but there's a lot of stuff going on is my point. Yeah, uh, you know, I always had wondered growing up why there were people would go to the parks or why they would take trips to parks because living in in a park, basically, you just didn't think that other people didn't have that, that advantage. And then I started realizing that some of the kids are in the cities and you don't ever get to feel how nature feels. You don't know how good it feels until you're not there. Huh. You know, and then I've taken kids out to the country that have never experienced it. And it's like it rests their soul. Their goal is to do something in life to be <clears throat> able to continue <clears throat> to live in that type of environment. Well, so we just have to create that in our homes, on our patios, in our yards. Well, you read my mind because then we try to bring nature to the cities. I mean... Mm-hmm. 
uh, you see a lot of green spaces. You know, even New York City has got what Central Gardens up there, yeah, uh, which is nothing but Did a Mer green. Did Murray do that, or was it? Oh, don't know. <laughs> and then a lot of these buildings. You know, we've talked about this for years. You know, they have green uh, terraces on their buildings. They got green roofs out there mm-hmm. where people can go out, sit down, and have lunch or whatever. And they're not surrounded by just nothing but concrete and poles, right? Now, and now there's like metal mm-hmm. structures that are made. 20 feet tall, that kind of umbrella at the top yes. to grow vines on yep. because we know how well vines grow. <laughs> and that Probably can got start adding. In it. Yeah, exactly. That mm. adds shade and green and <clears throat> air movement and places for insects and all. I think we just really need to think outside of the box on how we can improve our landscaping. There's so much more than we can add than five hollies and a magnolia. And, and then, like <laughs> I said, even in the simplest of terms, you know, especially during COVID. Uh, people were inside their house or at home more than they ever had been. Uh, and they were, look at the sale of houseplants nowadays. I mean, it, it, it just took off because there again, people wanted that that nature, that is, you called it a while ago, they wanted that green around them. Uh, and that included bringing that stuff indoors in the form of houseplants. Yeah. I mean, and it hasn't stopped. No, no. Boy, all the different varieties of houseplants the different colors of philodendrons, the li- different leaf shapes, the I way was, they're growing I them I never now. knew there were that many houseplants out there on the market. Never. No, And uh, the ones from the Amazon with the crazy leaves, the, the pothos ivies. Mm-hmm. It's just not your grandmother's ivy anymore, no. as they say. <laughs> no. You know what? I haven't seen, though, any new kinds of African violets. I mean, there's colors. There's new kinds of colors. But there's no African violets that have all kinds of different funky leaves on I them. bet there are somebody's working <laughs> on it right now, though. I would not doubt it. There's got to be somewhere. Because that's definitely, to me, a grandmother-type plant, and I mean that with all sincerity. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. They haven't changed a bit. And maybe that's a good thing, because that's why people still love them, you know, because it's the old-fashioned, the same thing that we tried to grow, you know, 40 years ago. Right. Hey, Jim, I saw on the Facebook page somebody had some Althea, that one would bloom all the time and the other would make buds mm-hmm. and not bloom. What, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's got Botrytis blight. If you look at the flowers on the picture, they're mm-hmm. brown and crispy right on the tips of it. Oh. And I think the whole plant has got Botrytis. So and remember, you we're going to alternate Dacanil and copper and get that mm-hmm. cleaned up. And then I think it'll bloom. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, so you think it'll stop it, and then it'll, because they bloom flower, all summer. Yeah, yeah, and then as the new flowers come on, it'll it'll start blooming. Good. Yeah. yeah. And was it last year, guys, or year before last, where hydrangeas were just getting zapped by it uh, on the blooms? I mean, it might have been year before last. Maybe so. I don't remember I mean, I remember people year. bringing in, and it might have, you know, bringing in blooms mm-hmm. or, or what yeah. was going to be a bloom, and then it was just this cluster of just mess, oh. you know, gray mold on uh-huh. it and all this stuff, and uh, it was just tearing the blooms up, I'm telling you. And so it's not just hydrangeas that botrytis can affect. You're saying, Jim, you even saw some probably on Altheas. Yeah. You know, which to me, an Althea is kind of like one of the most rugged plants I know. you can plant. Mm. I think it was too cool, I mean, for the plant. I mean, what doesn't that, the botrytis, was that from our their air, our Extra rain, the coolness at oh, it's night. Weather in, yes. in, it's yeah. All, yeah. it's weather-related, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, usually they are. They're just as hardy as can be. But they love, love the heat and the dry and all of that. So yeah. they're definitely worth it. Well, yeah. and not only Altheas, I, you're right. They're wonderful. You can tree form them. Term, you know, you can have them in shrub form. They're great summer bloomers. And they're usually just no fuss whatsoever. 
But I tell you what's really showing their their really beauty this time of year are the hearty uh, hibiscus. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's so many different varieties out there, small blooms, huge blooms, and all the different colors in the world, and even the different uh, leaves on them. Uh, but they are really strikingly beautiful right now. I saw a, a white one blooming the other day about the size of a dinner plate, and I stopped. Yeah. I mean, I had to stop and look again like, man, is that real, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and it's, they're easy to grow also. You know, they die down to the ground every year. Typically, you cut them back. They come right back from the root. This past winter didn't touch them. Right. You know. My um, tropical hibiscus is gorgeous. I have a red one. I mean, red, tropical red. I mean, red, mm-hmm. red. There's there's almost an orange red hibiscus, but this one is just red as can be. And uh, about two weeks ago, I fertilized everything really good. The alamandas, the mandevillas, the hibiscus. They're busting out with tons of color, but I better fertilize again because they're utilizing everything I've put in that container. So if I don't do it again, mm-hmm. they're going to bust out with color, but then they're going to sit there. Yeah, and you read my yeah. notes again because uh, in my notes I've got uh, feeding uh, hibiscus and other yeah. tropicals. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a little weird on what they really recommend that you feed them with. Mm-hmm. You, would, you would think, to me, I would think just the opposite of what they recommend, and we'll talk yeah. about that at some point well, this morning. I would say, for me, what made mine bloom really good was the uh, um, uh, tiger bloom and the micro brew. Mm-hmm. I mixed those two together and sprayed the soil in the foliage. But, Veda, think about it. You can put those two products on anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it's a house plant, whether it's vegetables, whether it's ornamentals, whether it's bedding plants. Yeah. I mean, that that combination of what you just mentioned, tiger bloom and the, uh, not the comeback, the bloom, micro, I mean, the micro brew. Yeah. Uh, but all those Fox Farm products are really good water solubles. Now, the beauty of those products is they work really fast, right? Right. They're water yeah. soluble. Yeah, it took a, like a couple of weeks. It probably, I don't know if y'all had used the Miracle Grow or something like that, if it would have happened in a week verses or a couple of days versus a couple of weeks but it was worth the wait and then like some of the plants that we have in containers that the soil it's not holding the moisture long enough i'm having them put a layer of that earth mix compost mm-hmm. on there to hold that moisture and just to give it some nutrients when it waters because anything in a container just struggles yeah. so much right now and if yeah. you can just keep them watered and full of good slow mm-hmm. fertilizer get through this season and everything can take a breath of air which it is actually doing this week because of the weather we're going to be right back and we're going to let jim talk this hour and uh, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to talk about the (laughs) momentum the garden help you need now mid-south gardening on the mighty 990 powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to the second hour of Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all can join us this morning. I am here with Kenneth. Yep, and I'm here and with Miss Veda. And Kenneth has we got kick, his friends, we, our friends. We kicked Jim out of the room for a minute, you know. He just, oh, I said we were going to let him talk. Yeah. Sorry, Jim. Well, well, maybe after our guest. All right, all right. Oh, yeah, so, I got I'm Jamie. glad everybody has their name tags on because I can't remember names I've got Jamie right now. to the right of me. Jamie. we got Mr. Rick to the left of me. Miss Debbie over Debbie. here. And, and the wonderful heirloom of all this is Miss Jan over there. And we got her sitting in the floor. It's called Just, her an heirloom. Well, uh, she's... Did, what, Jan? Does that mean heirloom like old? It means like tomatoes, Veda. Because we're well, up here to so talk about the great tomato contest coming yeah. up next weekend. At the Agri Center, and 
these wonderful people, and of course the Memphis area master gardeners are the ones that promote this. They're mm-hmm. the ones that kicked this thing off years ago. Because I remember when Jamie, uh, my good friend to the right on me here, came in and he said, Kenny, what would you ever think about a tomato contest? And I don't know why, uh, I don't know why he, uh, he asked me, but I'm like, listen, when it comes to vegetables in the garden, the one vegetable, y'all, that people are passionate about <laughs> are the tomatoes. And, Jamie, I've said this a thousand times. You can grow the prettiest eggplant. You can grow more okra than anybody else in the world. But if you can't grow a tomato, can you really call yourself a gardener, you know? Not really. Not really. And this all comes about when, when I was a kid or whatever, they used to come up with. I lived across the, well, not across the street, but across the road a couple of miles down the road to a little old country store. And once the farmers, you know, finished getting their crops in the ground or whatever, they'd all come to this little store, you know, during rainy days or whatever, they'd sit around and uh, <laughs> talk about their tomatoes. Nobody ever showed a tomato. <laughs> Everybody, nobody ever showed. But boy, mine was so big it hat. I mean, it fit in a small tub, you know. And uh, the best tomatoes I ever had in my life. But they never had to show it. Mm. Now, and when we started researching this thing, we we looked and found that there's a lot of uh, tomato festivals where they have uh, Little Miss Tomato, you yeah. know, and all these type things. But very, very few, you know, would have a tomato uh, to celebrate the tomato itself and. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, there are. There's a lot of festivals out, but we really weren't doing anything for just the tomato. We just had the name tomato in right. it. So now we get to celebrate the tomato by doing this tomato contest. Yeah, but like Jamie said, no one would have their tomato with them. They would just talk about them. You right, know? right. So, so Jamie, coming up, uh, now this is the seventh or eighth? Seventh. Um, now, we missed one year because of the COVID, but... Uh, we uh, we're gonna be okay with that, but after uh, we this will be the seventh, and uh, we've been really fortunate with a lot of uh, lot of contestants, and this is what we really want to do. Wait, this is the seventh one. Yes. Did, wow. Is that hard to believe? I know. How can it be seven years we've been doing this? Yeah, really. No way. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, the <clears throat> thing about it is is. We, we didn't want to crown a little less tomato. We just wanted the tomato to be the focus and the competition of it because I can remember. That's the fun part. The story about, you know, my, my tomato's bigger than yours and my tomato's better than yours. Right. So this type thing is what, what that's the reason I've come to you you guys when I mm-hmm. when I had this idea. And my brother and I were talking about it. He was down in, uh, was down in Ed Crew, Mississippi, and they grow a lot of tomatoes <clears> down there, so. Anyway, I said, uh, how come they don't, we was asking about the biggest tomato. Right. Mm. We, you know, and we looked it up or whatever, there's something like four pounds at that time. And Guinness at that time would pay you $5,000 if you could grow a bigger tomato. Looks like a Ooh, pumpkin, you know, I, cantaloupe. I, yeah. So yeah. when I went to Dr. Cooper, I said, Dr. Cooper, you know, if we could grow a six-pound tomato, we could get $5,000. This thing would pay for itself. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big uh, hey, you can get, yeah, a six, yeah. a six pound tomato. Does it cost but that as, much to grow yeah, a six exactly. pound tomato? But as it turned out, we hadn't got anywhere near six pound tomato. <laughs> and the New World's record is 11.5 pounds. So, anyway, if you can imagine that. So, anyway, we're, we're a long way from a record, but we've had a lot of fun with it. But it is. So, Jim, uh, I mean, uh, Jamie, so that's coming up, of course, next weekend. And we know that it's at the Red Barn, which is at the Agri Center. And it starts, uh, it's, it says it's, it's from 9 to, what, 3, right? Yeah. But if somebody wants to participate, I mean, what what do they do? I and mean, what's the best 
thing that a, uh, people your, out here listening can do. Pick your best tomato and bring it on down. And, and Debbie over here will be at the front mm-hmm. entrance with the registration desk. Tell her what category you want it entered into. We've got so many categories that you have a choice of, you know, which which you can't enter it but one one tomato to one category. Right. But uh, anyway, she'll ask you what what's the what's the brand name of it? You know, what's the model of it? Mm-hmm. Like a car, you know. But <laughs> it's a red it's a red tomato, and you know. But uh, if you know. <laughs> If you know the breed of it, that would be good. If you don't, it's not necessary. But you know, yeah, but you still need to know what you're growing. Though. Well, that's what most people do, but there's some people that don't. So, so you can go in there, and there's there's different entries, like you said. There's the heaviest, the best heirloom, yes, Debbie, and then there's the cherry tomato, yes, uh, slicing. slicing tomato, mm-hmm. uh, more categories. Gosh, so but you can enter. One or two tomatoes in each category, if you want yes, to. Yes, you could. If you have cherries, bring ten cherries, and we'll um, have them up, up for the judges. <laughs> to, to, uh, okay, y'all. Yeah. Let's get that mic situated no, so I we can it. hear her better. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, so the t- there's all kinds of different ways to be able to enter because you don't have to just grow the biggest. There's all other kinds of categories as well that you can do. And then Debbie was telling us a little bit about which categories there are to enter in. So uh, go ahead and fill us in, Debbie. Get close to the mic so we can hear you. They will uh, be judged on their color, their texture, their uh, taste. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Color, texture, yeah. Taste, of course. Taste to me is the biggest thing out there. Right. And they will... They will test several of them. So if you have a couple tomatoes, bring them in, and they'll they'll test them, and right. and we'll award you a, a prize. Are now, you doing the? Are you helping with the kids' activities? Um, or is there no? But another Debbie is, and oh. there'll be lots of activities for the kids. And of course, this event is free, and then you it doesn't cost anything to enter, and you win prizes. The, right. I mean, there's a you could win a hundred dollars for your tomato. Yeah, how could you lose? That's right. You know, with just entering and mm-hmm. all the fun and the friends right. that you're going to meet and all the um. And if you have a if you have questions about gardening or tomatoes, we'll right. have an ask ask a master gardener table. Yeah, and displays on diseases that tomatoes have mm. so you can do better with your tomatoes the next year or even this year so there's uh there's something for everyone about tomatoes how did you get into this debbie do you love love tomatoes or well i don't love them more than anything else but i've had a home garden <laughs> and for see about, i do <laughs> about 10 years yeah and i started with tomatoes in mm. a side bed and then we have since expanded our garden to it's like 580 square feet and Goodness. and we're um anxiously waiting i plant mm-hmm. late sometimes and so we're anxiously waiting for um real tomatoes we've gotten cherries yeah. but um i enjoy it do you do the fried green tomatoes too don't ever have to do those because they're <laughs> we like them on blts so oh well, i got you mm-hmm. yeah you know i hey, um I don't, I'm not growing tomatoes myself, so I'll go out and buy tomatoes. And we've all been to the grocery store during the off-season and, bu- and bought tomatoes. And they look like a tomato, but I've said, and that's all they do. They look like a tomato. Uh, but these <laughs> tomatoes are, are bred to be, uh-huh. to be trucked around and put in grocery stores. And, you know, they, they, in my mind, I'm eating a tomato, but it doesn't taste like a tomato. Where this year finally comes around every spring, and then you can find tomatoes, whether you're growing them yourself, Rick, you know that, or whether you're going to like uh, – you know, the farmer's markets and buying these wonderful tomatoes. 
And, and you can really taste the difference. In fact, I was having a hamburger the other night. I was telling my wife, I would not enjoy this hamburger if I didn't have this wonderful, wonderful tasting tomato right. that was on here. Well, it's like at the grocery store tomato, I put a little bitty slice on my sandwich. But on the homegrown tomato, yes. a big slice goes on that sandwich. And less mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> so, What kind of tomatoes do you grow, Rick? Any certain kinds or... Do you like uh, the cherries or the beef steaks? Or? I like the beef steaks, but I'm I'm still learning how to grow a tomato. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not a very good grower of tomatoes. That's why I've, being at this contest, I get to oh. see what everybody's bringing in. So oh, that's smart. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, well maybe I'll try this. But ah, so so I being there, being right? <laughs> being there and participating, you're kind of picking up on some of these uh, tricks they're using, so uh-huh. you can get be a good gardener quickly and that's what the whole master gardener thing's about but let's go to a break real quick and we'll talk more about this you're listening to beta kenneth and jim and our guest from the master gardeners association we will be right back good morning gardeners welcome back to mid-south gardening talking about the greatest thing in the world tomatoes hey was the tomato the fruit of tennessee it was it is the the state fruit or vegetable, however yeah. you want to look at it, Veda. <laughs> right. There's a <laughs> Jamie, please enlighten up Tennessee, and I did not know that. I had no the idea that week, the tomato yeah. was the state fruit. I didn't either. Yeah, absolutely, it is, and, and, and <laughs> I don't know how it got a, to be a fruit, but it is classified as a fruit. Uh, and one of the big things has to do with the Department of Agriculture back in the twenties or whatever. Cuba was sending tomatoes over here, whatever, and in order, and they were taxing them to death. We were taxing them to death, you know, with the, with the imports. And so anyway, they changed the tomato from a, a vegetable, from a fruit to a vegetable. No, they didn't. Oh, and that's just taxation? for the tax purposes. I you believe it. I believe it. Got to be kidding me. <laughs> but anyway, that's how it came about from a fruit, uh, vegetable, fruit to a vegetable. Well, I mean, a lot of people call it a fruit. A lot of people call it a vegetable. I still see it as a vegetable, even though it's deemed as a fruit. Sounds right? like something fruity's going Doesn't on around it? They here. Doesn't it? like that. But also the Great Tomato Contest. The beauty of this thing, uh, Jamie, uh, and you know this, is it's totally free. Absolutely, absolutely free. And if you don't want to have fun, don't come out there because <laughs> we insist you have fun. And that's what it's all about. You, know, you, can, you can be show in a, off. Yeah, so you can be in a bad mood and show up there and yeah, it's cured. Yeah, really, yeah. really, because we, we intend for you to have fun when you get there. Yeah. And it's absolutely free. You know, it, it, and somebody's got to win this money. We got about $1,100 we got to give away. <laughs> and uh, they watch our money really close. So. <laughs> We need to uh, we need to give it away to somebody. All right. So starting at the very beginning, though, if I want to participate, I need to bring. And, and like Debbie was saying, there are different entries. Absolutely. Uh, I can bring a, a cherry tomato and enter it as a cherry tomato, right? right. The best cherry, cherry tomato. I can bring a wonderful looking uh, table sized tomato and enter that as a slicing tomato. Uh, and then there are even other categories. But you were saying, Jamie, you want to bring more than one tomato. Absolutely. because it's, if you, uh, Of each one that you want to bring. Now, it's really, this is really what brings everything into how many we have, you know, mm-hmm. how many contestants we have. If we have 470 contestants, right. that's too much, too many tomatoes for the, the judges to taste. Right. So we have preliminary judging, if that be the case. And so we'll need more than one tomato. Right. So we used to, <laughs> 
<laughs> I got you. Whether or not, how many times can you slice that tomato and get a taste, you know? Right. But that's the big thing here. We need at least two tomatoes. Okay. And I perf- preferably off the same vine, it would be better, you know, but they don't have to be. But whatever you want to enter, you can. And you can come up and say, this is a green uh, beefsteak. Right. It just happened to be green, you know. But right. call it whatever you want to, but put it in. We'll, right. We'll find a category for it and, and help you to, you know, what your best okay. chances. All right. So the judging goes on the same day, of course, which is, you know, next Saturday, a week from today. And then how soon do the entries, how soon does, do people find out if they've won or not? By 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So they find out the same day. Absolutely. Now, they don't have to be present, you know, to pick up their prize or whatever. We've, we've, that was a big problem because we had the money waiting, you know, when, when they would show back up. But, you know, people have some things they have to do, so they don't enter their tomato, and then they'd go in and come back later and gotcha. pick up their prize. But anyway, it's all done now through the extension service. Gotcha. So, you know, if you win, we let you know. We call you on the phone and say, look, you know, you need to come by the extension office to pick up your money. Now, is there a, uh, like, let's say like on the slicing tomato, Debbie, Rick, uh, and Jamie, if, is there a first and second and third place or is it just a first place? There's a third, one, two, three. So it's not just the overall winner that right. gets the awards. I mean, it's, it's a first, a second, and a third place. And honestly... If I came in third place, I'd still be bragging, you know? Right, absolutely. If you came in third, everybody would be bragging. <laughs> but, but what would kill me is if I came in fourth place. Oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's why you need to enter in more than one category. Ah. You got it. Now, so and, categories are like, what are the categories? Heaviest, slicing, cherry, and heirloom. Heaviest, heaviest. tomato. So that's going to be the biggest, heaviest tomato. Okay, and slicing. the slicing and heirloom. Heirloom. <laughs> And cherry. cherry, cherry, and if you bring, if you're in the cherry contest category, you bring five to ten of those. Heaviest, you bring one. Slicing, you bring two, and heirloom, you bring two. It makes sense. Just because you got to look at the tomato, that's one of the categories, and yeah. then you have to cut it open and test it. So every mm-hmm. judge needs to look at a whole tomato. So. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that all makes sense then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, I made the comment when y'all walked in here. I know that. Uh, Mortgage Lifter was the big winner last year. For some reason, that and that's an heirloom tomato. But it won almost every category that was out there to be won last year. And it, and it just blew my mind because there are so many different varieties of tomatoes out there on the market. And, it, it, and that's what confuses a lot of people. You ask 10 different people what their favorite tomato is, Rick, you're going to get 10 different answers. That's right. You just are. I'm telling you. But Mortgage Lifter was the big winner last year. And I told Jamie, if Mortgage Winner, if it wins it again this year, I'm buying stock in that tomato. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> right. It's just because there's so many other good tomatoes out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, I, I, everybody has their preference, but mine is that, uh, you know, Cherokee Purple. Like, boy, if good Lord mm-hmm. made anything, the better he kept it for yourself. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's good tomato. It's the truth. So, They're good. I, 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 I love, that's my preference. Mm-hmm. Each to his own. All right, so in a recap now, guys, and we do appreciate y'all coming up here more than you'll ever know. And, of course, in the Memphis Area Master Gardeners, the whole program is nothing but a win-win situation, mm-hmm. I'm telling you. And for people out there that haven't experienced it, you need to take a look at the Memphis, uh, the Memphis Area Master Gardener program because it, it truly is something spectacular. But this event in particular is just one of the events that y'all do, mm-hmm. all the wonderful things that y'all do. And, and I love it because, I mean, it's this time of year. And I want to, Jamie, somehow turn, and, and Debbie and Rick, I want to turn this into like a national event. <laughs> 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 I 
There's Ooh, that's gotta, a lot of tasting. There's got to be a way. I'm telling you. I, I, I have explored it and explored it, whatever. My first thought when I first came up with this, I said, we could run this thing if we could get Heinz or yes. you know, one of the big tomato companies, the big uh, yes, tomato ketchup, companies, yes. let them come along and, boy, we could turn this into a festival. Just mm-hmm. like the barbecue contest. That yeah. was, you know, the visions of grandeur, you know, go through your mind. Right, you right. Think, well, if we could get one of these big tomato companies behind us, Hunt's. Yeah. My hunts was my favorite. Yeah. You know, you could have thought of it first. We could get the big uh, hunts people to come down mm-hmm. here and see what we got. Man, they'd, they'd be crazy about this, you know, this contest or whatever. Well, I'm telling but you. At, as it turns out, they, they have got this thing all fixed on, on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a canned tomato, it's from California. Oh. If it's a slicing tomato, whatever, it's from Florida. Really? So, anyway, really, that's 90% of the things that's the way this happens. But anyway. Uh, huh. But anyway, I'd like to get into the judges maybe in the next few minutes if we have time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's one of the big things that, that I'm most proud of. Well, I mean, we have top-notch people here, and each of y'all have been yeah. Oh, yeah, we've been judges, yeah. And yeah. if y'all can tell me how this works, I would love to have it. You take five judges, mm-hmm. and you got a scoring system that's based, I mean, as far it's as blind. you can. Blind, yeah. Blind judging. Yep. Nobody knows who entered it, mm-hmm. whatever. And at the end of the day, they always is one one of those tomatoes stands out, you know, as the best. It blow and the year that we were there, Veda, you know, all mm-hmm. four or five judges picked the four out of yep. five judges picked the the overall winner. And I'm like, we, we just sat there and ate a thousand uh-huh. tomatoes. Yeah. And how in the world did we come up with that? Exactly. You know? yeah. and, and it's beyond me. You know, I thought we thought that this thing we had to get down to the umpth degree and just the uh, percentage points or whatever type thing. And it never got to that point. Now we have top-notch judges. Really? I mean, we do. Yeah. We uh, we got uh, this federal district judge in in uh, in Tennessee. A we real got judge. A yeah, real, a real judge. judge. Two two real judges. And then we got some of the top-notch people in the uh, tomato industry. We got Walter Battle. He's an extension agent. We got Jim Crowder, one of the most knowledgeable people in the world as far as I don't know if he knows that much about tomatoes or not. But he makes a good <laughs> argument about it. And. Uh, Jim, and, Jim, and, uh, I see him coming up to the window. Lady, uh, <laughs> to, uh, Elaine Haggerty, she, she'll be here. And, uh, but anyway, we just we just love the way it works and, and how it can happen that it comes out. And we tell the judges on the front side, now, if you get an outstanding tomato while we're going through, yeah. you better make a little mark by it. Yeah. Because, you know, there ain't no retest. <laughs> we, we can't go back. That's right. You can't pull up number 37 again and taste it. And, and what about the cause? If I showed up and y'all were, say, if you only used half of the tomato, are you giving the other half away? Yes. And so I could, like, yeah. So I could get there and, and, and just enjoy the half that y'all aren't using. Yes, sir. So, and, and that's one of the big things that, that happened. Uh, and two years ago that we started doing that, after the judging or whatever, we put it on our table, set up over there, and then each one of them can, each person that comes by and get a piece of a tomato well, really and test it. That too. Yeah. And, and that was one of the big big hits of the whole thing. Because the people come by and say, oh, what kind is this? And they'll, you know, they've got the list of what kind. Well, would it look funny if I showed up with, like, salt and pepper and mayonnaise? <laughs> Jamie? Probably. <laughs> Probably, but not you. It wouldn't bother anybody but you. But uh, anyway. You about that, Dana. You just need to be, bring bacon for everybody. There you go, Jamie. <laughs> but the only thing the judges have to deal with is, all I can get is a soda cracker and water. <laughs> 
You know, it, it. you don't. You don't. Yeah, you don't want to else. change the palate any. You don't the soda cracker else. sure won't change your palate. <laughs> but anyway, and uh, but that's a lot of fun. It really is, and if you don't want to have fun, you don't want to come to the Agri Center next Saturday. So, Rick, next Saturday, what time is it again? From nine to three, is it what I heard? Nine to three, and then uh, entries are going to be accepted between nine and eleven, and judging is going to start at, at twelve, oh, and and. Uh, you don't have to be present to, you know, to... You can drop it off and, and go do your business and, exactly. and find out by the end of the day if you're a winner or not. That's right, that's right. And Debbie, um, you said just long, long as you, on the cherry tomatoes, you want to bring at least five or ten. Everything else, you want to bring at least two of those tomatoes. And you, of course, you bring the heaviest one. Well, guys, that's going to be a lot of fun, I'm telling you. We appreciate y'all coming up here. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to the Mid-South Gardening Show. So, uh, Jamie and Jan, they bought some, brought some fresh tomatoes. She put some bacon on it, put it on some bread. She made something else so delicious. So, this will make you want to grow tomatoes if you're not this year. You could go, oh, there you go. Show it on our Facebook oh, camera. God, this. This Aren't those look so made. good? Look at that. Tomatoes for breakfast. I wish they brought Kenneth and Beta some. I, <laughs> oh, I was down there munching out on them. Jamie, did you do all this cooking or was it Jan? Can I sit down? I'm sorry, in the corner. You can. Oh, Mr. Paul's going to call up here. We got to talk to Mr. Paul. So um, get y'all's tomatoes ready for the big, great tomato contest. Look on the Master Gardener's website. You can find some information about that. And y'all can give us a call. On any of gardening questions yeah. you've got, 901-260-5926. Yeah, let's, let's clarify something here now. I heard there's a big discussion going on here about tomato being a fruit or a vegetable. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying a word. If, if you're eating a vegetable, you're eating either the leaf, stem, or root. Of, of any of, plant. Of, of whatever plant it is, right. If you're eating the reproductive part. Which can be a nut or seed or a seed or the fruit surrounding the or the pulp surrounding the seed. If you're eating the reproductive part of the plant, then you're eating the fruit. Well, to me, is okay. Is Pluto? No, you've been wrong before. It'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it just kind of it, you know. I, I'm always going to believe that Pluto is a planet. Yeah. Okay. Right. I just am. Just whatever. Yeah. But I'm always going to think of tomatoes as a vegetable, even though you just proved that, Jim. It's really not. It's really. It's not. a fruit. It really is a fruit. And it is the state. It's the state fruit of Tennessee, mm-hmm. which I did not would never have dreamed that. So okay, let me think. So an eggplant is a vegetable. No, an eggplant. If you're, it's the fruit. You're eating yeah, the reproductive I was say, structure. Because so the right, if you're so eating greens, g- if you're eating celery, you're eating the stem. That's eating potatoes. You're eating the roots. Okay, yes. those are all vegetables. It's only if you're eating the reproductive part of the plant is it a fruit. So a pea is a, a fruit. Is a pea is a fruit. See, I'm not going to do a it. A pineapple is a fruit. Well, a pineapple, because yeah, but you know, I'm still calling it everything yeah. I grow in the in the garden, uh-huh. peas, beans, eggplant, carrots, whatever it is, I'm calling those vegetables. Man, y'all, don't make me call confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to eat it. But let me say this real quick. One of the, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. To me, one of the secret items that you can have if you're growing tomatoes uh, is a product called calcium nitrate. 
Um, the beauty of calcium nitrate is it's got nitrogen, it's got calcium, but it really helps prevent that blossom end rot, you know, that rot that gets on the bottom of the tomato. And, of course, we all know that can be from a lack of calcium. In fact, it is a lack of calcium, but a lot of times it can also be a watering issue. But, uh, but calcium nitrate is something that I would put around my tomatoes every year, regardless whether I thought I needed it or not. Okay? Yeah. It, it, to me, it's just it's kind of like the secret weapon, if you will. Uh, and then, of course, you know, more sun than shade, well-drained soil, um, and they like constant moisture. It's one of those things where kind of like roses, they love water, but they don't want to stay wet. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, I know. It, it seems like it doesn't, but or a lot of things love water, but they don't want it to the soil to be oversaturated either. Mm-hmm. So that's <clears> where <throat> we come from just, again, to the drainage. Well, I was, aren't those good, Jim? How can you just say no? Okay, don't ask people when they have food in their mouth. We'll the, get back to you on that. The uh, <laughs> And y'all want y'all's opinion. I was talking to a gentleman, a customer, uh, Ed, the other day. He uh, came into Dan West. And he planted some cypress trees in a fairly uh, lowish part of his property, uh, kind of a boggy area because uh, he gets all the runoff from everywhere else. And this place stays pretty wet. And two of these cypress trees, and they've been there for a little over a year, look perfectly healthy. But there's one that's getting some yellow foliage on it. And someone had told him that the soil could be staying too wet. And I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. We're talking about cypress trees here. Cypress trees can grow in water. They can grow in a, you know, in a swamp. Right. So how are they getting but too wet? But if you read about <laughs> cypress, though, some of the articles say, well, moist and well, well drained, or boggy and well drained. I'm like, well, hang on a Do minute. Those two words go together. No, they don't go together. That's a writer. That's not. A, that's yeah. Not right. About plants. Well, he, right. But the, the, reading different articles uh-huh. can make it can get you so confused. Like if if a person didn't know that cypress trees could really take boggy, wet conditions, they would be out there trying to create the best drainage they could after reading some of these yeah. articles. And I'm like, but it should grow just fine there if you did. You can plant that ball cypress on top of the mountain, and it'll do just great, right? Because it can take dry conditions too. Right. But my my thing is is I wonder what is causing that one. And they're fairly they're close, fairly close to planted fairly close together. Two of them look perfectly fine. One of them's turning yellow. Um, I mean, other than just feeding the cypress, because no, I never see that happen like uh, in a grouping where one looks bad, right. unless it's just in slow decline from some bacterial issue or I don't know, Jim. What I mean, do you it's think? I would think it's probably root related. I'm thinking maybe it's staying too uh, dry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, but he, he had a berm built around it where it would actually hold water. Mm-hmm. And then all the water that we've had, you know, this year. And I was thinking the same thing, Jim. If the but, foliage is the internal stuff up inside the plant, not the new growth out here. If it's up inside that plant, it's almost always a drought issue. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's shedding that off. It can't support it. It's the least productive as far as food. It was and so of that. it would shed off the end stuff and just hold the newest growth out at the end. Makes sense. So if it's yellowing at the ends, then I'd say, you know, I'd, I'd do like a Veda look down there and see if there's sheetrock up underneath right. it something. or something that's giving it some nutritional issues. Uh, but if it's internal stuff, you know, it's almost always, it's a, 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 a watering issue. Yeah, root-related issue yeah. because of some type of watering issue. Right, and some plants can go... Just because you go from one to the other, they'll shed plant, shed leaves. You can go from say a, that again. What, okay. You can go from a dry to a very wet, yeah, or a wet to a very dry very quickly. 
and they'll shed leaves right. as a res- even though they're going response. to be fine. Right. In that, okay. mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, I was just kind of scratching my head because someone mm-hmm. also had told him uh, that it was staying too wet. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, I've never heard of cypress trees, bald cypress. Let me clarify that. Staying too wet. Right. And I said, well, maybe they can stay too wet if they're young, and mm-hmm. you know, until they get a decent root system, until they but, get established. They come up in swamps. I mean, you know, right. the seed falls in, it goes to the bottom of the water, and they come up. Yeah, I mean, so... Yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. And, um, yeah, because we have three bald cypress growing, um, together and this area is only wet when it rains. And then the rest of the time, it's just as dry as can be. So, but they all three looked similar, the same, you know, they're so. Having one that's just turning off color is definitely a bizarre thing, well, but it's a natural thing. I, you know, maybe, maybe the uh, one is, helping the other two survive better because there's a, not enough of the proper things going on to support yeah. all three you of know, them. You know, when it was planted, it may not have gotten as many roots yeah. out into the surrounding soil. It may mm-hmm. still be in the barky stuff that they grow in. Mm-hmm. True, so if yeah. they haven't gotten out into that, then they're going to be very limited on the amount of water they can get. That's so, a good point, yeah. So yeah. he could be. They're all getting the same situation, but there's not enough roots on that middle one. Yeah. So, so root stimulator. Yeah no, yeah, no no doubt. Yeah, I mean, water is needed. Keep this thing moist. Start would, using some know, good stimulants. Take a, a, get a long screwdriver and open up a few holes around it so that when you water it, you know the water's flowing into the center of that ball. There you go. So that we're <clears throat> getting it saturated, and I think that'll fix this problem. Yeah, and, you know, I told him check for spider mites also, and, and you know, just all the normal things that you could do. Uh, and none of that was the case. I mean, everything yeah. looked perfectly fine, except for those yellow needles. And like I said, the other two, they looked absolutely, assume me, show me a picture of them. They looked absolutely beautiful. And in his mind, they're all getting the same amount of water, the same amount of sun, same amount of everything. And that's what had him scratch his head. Like, why is this one mm-hmm. uh, is, is giving me the trouble? But uh, I'm like you, Jim, invade. I think if y'all just, if he starts working on the root system more than anything, yeah. With some root stimulators, some water-soluble plant foods, making sure this thing stays adequately uh, hydrated, it should be fine. Well, it's like we have this section um, in the garden center that has all daylilies. And so I had this one guy, he's always going to water the daylilies. And you could tell where he gets kind of lazy at the end and doesn't quite get the uh, top right-hand corner watered because mm-hmm. it's a little farther away. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't want him to move. But you can tell those daylilies are a little smaller, a little yellower than the ones that are getting the adequate water. But he swears he waters everything the same right. because he's just watering over. You know, you have to teach, but you can tell the difference just because of the water. Yeah. Okay. But all right, let's run to a break and y'all give us some gardening questions. We've got plenty to talk about, of course, but we'd love to know what's going on in your yard. Uh, we can do talk about preventative stuff, maintenance stuff, new kinds of flowers, whatever you want to talk about. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad you can join us today. I'm Beta with Palladio. And I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Center. Oh, sorry, Kenneth. And I'm Jim, <laughs> the encyclopedia. I'm sorry, Kenneth. We're eating all this wonderful. I'm the fact checker. The fact yeah, thank checker. you, Jim. Mythbuster, fact checker. Yeah, Jamie brought some um, treats up here, and I tell you what, my goodness. That's right, good. That's yeah. in, in close to healthy. I did that to Jim and <laughs> mm-hmm. you. Wanted to get y'all to talk while you were eating. 
Okay, let's go to Sue Knight. Good morning, Sue Knight. Thanks for the call. You're in the garden. Oh, why well, why you do it? Sue Knight, how are you, buddy? Good morning to you, sir. Oh, man, it's good. It's good. I'm glad I'm enjoying the show. I'm glad y'all are here to inform the public. Yes, sir. And uh, I'd like to put a little input in on um, boys, uh, the species that can grow in your yard that are edible. Believe it or not, I got some miniature, miniature black-eyed peas that grow up in my backyard. Now, now, now t- keep in mind, I'd lift it, get it, get it about uh, uh, 12, 16 inches high. Mm-hmm. Or you can see these kind of things. And I've got a, uh, <laughs> you can see this. I, I've got a uh, 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 yellow dock. That's good. That's edible. That's good for your uh, your health. And also, golden rod comes up. The golden rod. The golden you rod. Said, yeah. Golden rod and uh, uh, uh. Poke salad, they seem like they some semi-annual. Some years they come up, some years they say, ah, see you again next year or something. <laughs> and they, you know, yeah. they, they, they don't come up just consistently like that. But anyway, there are some good edibles out there. And uh, a lot of folks might not know it because they don't let the grass get that high enough to see it. You know? Right, right. That's true. That is so true. Yeah, there is a lot so, of uh, edible species that grow naturally. And they're mostly all called weeds. Just this one thing. Do you know anything about those miniature black-eyed peas that grows up in in my, in my backyard? <laughs> miniature black-eyed peas, and you get that. Well, well, they're bush peas, probably. Yeah, bush they're, now? they're bush peas. You know, you have two types of peas. You have ones that are runners, and you have ones that are bush type. You know, and so you um, call them bush peas, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna cook some of them. I ain't cooked them yet. I've just been looking at them, tripping on them. But I, I'm going to cook some, and uh, I, I guess i cook a little pig face with it and see how that turned out in cornbread. Yeah, so uh, I was just want to know, and what what about that purple thing that grows up, comes up in the spring? Is that edible? Is that having the type of uh, medicinal? Uh, it's purple. Comes Oh, the one that has the purple blooms on it? Like yeah, yeah, I'm thinking the hen bit. If you're talking about the hen bit, it does have uh, some medicinal properties. Uh, I think you can actually put it in salads too, but you'd probably want to check around before you, you know, do that to find out exactly how you should cook it all. But the hen bit is definitely something that is edible, and that's that. Well, that sounds good. I appreciate it has the information. The purple, yeah. I don't want to hog up the whole show and be a. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got a good topic, though. I always like talking about edible weeds and things that you can eat in your yard that we have spent a lifetime trying to get out of our yard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks okay, for the well, call, Sue Knight. Glad to hear from you. Thank you, Sue Knight. Thank you, man. Yeah, thank you. Feel good. Y'all feel good. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I had a good friend that lives in, in Arkansas. And I told y'all this story. He brought me some uh, pigweed mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that was grown on the side of the road. And I don't know if he boiled it and, and cooked it up or had somebody do it for him. But I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, it tasted like the sweetest turnip greens I've ever had in my life. Now, the whole time I was eating them, though, Jim, I was thinking how much, you know, the crop dusters fly over there all the yeah, time. Yeah. You know, what am I really eating here, mm-hmm. right? Right. But I'm telling you. And, and that's the first time in my mind that I knew I was eating a weed. I mean, truly a, a weed. But, I, and I never would have done it, honestly, ever, unless he had brought it up here to yeah. me, fully cooked, ready to go, ready to eat, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking, all right, I, I have to do this. So we got to look up some pigweed recipes, too. Oh, my God, it was great. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm.
Now, and it's I'm just not, all how you cook it. That's really the whole thing. Is just all how good of a cook you are. Yeah, doesn't matter what it is. Just throw some fat back in there, and yeah. it's going to be good. Exactly. <laughs> That's why it. we can eat all this good food in the South because we got the fat back to go with it. Oh my God! But hey, but a lot of people do. You know, whether it's dandelions, uh, hen bit, like you're talking about, Veda pigweed that I that I've had before. I mean, one thing that we call a weed. I mean, I think in some parts of the world, people even eat. Uh, small new shoots of kudzu right because that is an herb too that is definitely an herb you can buy that on the show you haven't been there's a a world market out there on germantown parkway that it's right there at um yeah i forgot now the name but anyway they have you know you can buy beautiful huge dandelion greens there really i used to go there to get food for my tortoises because they'd have things like cactus pads and, and aloe vera leaves and things like that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really unique place, and they got all kinds of different vegetables, uh, leafy type greens of things that you know, not not that I'm interested in eating in, but I am uh, fascinated that other people. Yeah, would. Exactly. Well, it was it exactly. was like I always wondered. Um, why people planted trees from being from a place that had tons of trees. I just didn't think you would ever have to plant a tree. And then there's people, and, oh, and then I was surprised that people wanted to kill the wood violets because wood violets are just natural, beautiful flowers out in the woods. So why would anybody want to kill wood violets? You know, understand when you get in the urban situation, you have to change it. Well, now I have people that are uh, cooks and are going for all these type of um plants these exotic these exotic the weeds and all they're they're coming and asking why were we killing these with weed kill they're not a weed what is a weed and i was like well a weed is something that's where you don't want it to be exactly so you know don't we we got to kind of relabel things if you grow a lawn this is a weed if you grow a vegetable this is if you grow a garden, then this is a vegetable, <laughs> you know. So um, it's just kind of now all in the eyes of the beholder. What you're, what are you doing? Well, but but weeds are, as you know, it, it, we can term it however we want. But weeds are a real thing, and especially if they're growing like you said, Veda, where we don't yeah. want them to grow. Because what do you do with nutgrass? I don't think you harvest or eat that. I've never looked that up. No, but that's a weed, and you can't have that. And it's funny <laughs> because you you mentioned that because I've had. At least every day this week, someone has either brought me a sample or called me about nutgrass in particular. They called you a nut? Yeah, and then they, then they talked about oh, the nutgrass. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And I don't know if that's because <laughs> the all the rains that we've had, that nutgrass right. has really just gone crazy. And, and a lot of the calls, nutgrass has actually been in the monkey grass, okay? Yeah. And a lot of times you don't realize you've got nut, nut grass and monkey grass until you see this thing growing two I want feet some above. Of that nucky grass. Until you see this nut grass growing two feet above the monkey grass, right? So, you know, in, in every case, I tell them if you've got nut grass growing in monkey grass, I mean, thank goodness there is a product like Image mm-hmm. uh, that you can go out there and spray the monkey grass down with to kill the nut grass. But. Then I had a call yesterday. A guy had monkey grass growing in Asiatic jasmine. Yeah. Okay. And he wanted to know if he could kill the monkey grass and not the jasmine. I said, no, no, no. (laughs) It's not that easy. But if you do have nut grass, no, you know, you can't. There's no product on the market that I know of that you can spray in there that's going to kill monkey grass and not cure your Asiatic jasmine, right? Right. Uh, Or vice versa. If you've got monkey grass and you're trying to kill Asiatic jasmine. But nutgrass in particular, uh, it's going to take more than one application. But if you stay with it, 
uh, you can actually get rid of that nutgrass that's actively growing in that monkey grass. Is there um, a weed killer you can use for uh, Bermuda growing up in junipers? Like, yeah, uh, but yeah. You, you want to be careful with it on particularly the really blue junipers. Mm-hmm. Um, Fusillade works really well, but it can sometimes spot the juniper. Mm. Uh, and then um, post you can oh, use also. about post. I like post because it has such a better label. Yeah. I mean, you can spray over wildflowers with it and take grasses out of it. Yeah, so let's just go for But post. it only kills grasses now, and then mm-hmm. nut grass is not a grass. It's right. a sedge. So. It's a nut. Yeah, yeah, it's coming yeah, up. It, won't work <laughs> it makes you crazy. It makes you nutty. Yeah. But there's a, there's a, I mean, there's weed killers out there from all, almost any situation, but, but, but not you know, all I was of thinking, them. junipers are really underused here because I see some really nice looking juniper plantings. And I don't know why we've kind of gotten talk, ta- talked out of them, but I'm going to start incorporating more varieties of junipers. Especially the low growing ones. I love yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, the low growing The issue definitely. has always been here with bagworms. Because yeah. they, you know, or the spider tall. mites, they get the least bit dry. They're mm-hmm. they're like a spider mite magnet. So. But there are some absolutely beautiful. There are. Okay, y'all, we've got another fantastic hour left to go. So y'all, hang on. We'll be right back. You're listening to KWAM. The garden help you need now. Mid South Gardening on the Mighty Nine Ninety, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid South Gardening. Glad we can be with you this morning. We are starting our third hour. So remember when I was telling y'all I got this uh, face cream that's made out of slug trail? Oh, yeah. We can't yeah, forget huh? that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How they... Uh, Still have nightmares. Right. About that. <laughs> I forgot. Right. How they they take care of the slugs and keep them peaceful and give them nice music and all of that so they're not stressing the slugs out. And then they take them and put them on a platform. And as they move around, they harvest the, the, the mucin. Nice music. Right. Right. And uh, then it's a face cream. Which is really, really good, actually. Okay. Re- really good. Now, one of the kids told me that he thought I was in my 40s, <laughs> and I'm past my 40s, but oh. I'm his manager, so I think he was trying to get off the next day. Well, but also, the, but the flip side of that, if you're trying to get rid of snails yeah. and slugs. Well, so here's the thing. So I moved a flower pot, and there was a hand, bunch of slugs under there. Mm-hmm. So you're going to save money and make your own? Well, see, I picked them up. The whole handful, because I'm going to relocate them to a place that's not going to, you know, not going to damage my plants. Picked them up, and I'm walking with them going, don't think about it, don't think about it, because it's still kind of gross, yeah. you oh, know. Yeah. And I slough them off. Of course, you can't get them off because they're oh. stuck. So I, I get them off on the ground and cover them up. And then I'm trying to, I'm rubbing my hands together trying to get it off. And it starts feeling like that lotion that mm-hmm. I'm putting on my face. And I'm ho- and I'm rubbing them together. And I'm going, do I? Well, no, you do not. Do I put this on my face? Maybe it's, since it's natural, right from the supplier, that it's going to be awesome. Jim, she probably did. And I'm going to have no wrinkles. She probably did. Did I you? I couldn't. Oh, good. I couldn't. I took a paper towel, trying to get it off my hands. Couldn't. Washed my hands in the water. Couldn't. Rub my hands in the dirt. Just the slime everywhere. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> I didn't try it naturally, but you know, it is a good thing. You'll have to look it up, actually. But my point is, if you're trying to get rid of those little nasty, little slimy things, mm-hmm. uh, because they're eating whatever, hostas or yeah. whatever they're eating, uh, the beauty of it is the iron phosphide that's in most of these slug baits that we buy now, 
extremely safe to use, Veda, as you know, completely safe around me, you, the dog, the cat. So there are some good slug baits out there. And then what they've also done is they've taken iron phosphide, which is in these slug baits, and added spinosad to it. Mm-hmm. So now you've got a slug and bug killer, right, <laughs> uh, that you can sprinkle out there in your bed. So, yeah, now, and I get it with Veda. I'm, there's no telling uh, what they're plant material or, or insect material that you can find in some of these lotions, right? Right, right. Um, but in, in the real world, if you're trying to grow stuff, especially hostas, I mean, mm-hmm. to me, slugs and snails love hostas, amongst other things, but they love the hostas. And if you're ever having a problem with them, uh, that slug bait does a really good job in getting rid yeah. of them. Yes, it does. So... All right. Everybody, you know, we talked about wisteria earlier in the first hour, how everybody's got a story about wisteria. Well, mostly everybody that I know at some point or another has a story about bamboo. True, yes. And it can either be a a good story about bamboo, Veda and Jim, or a bad story. Usually I hear the bad ones, okay? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people that have a problem with bamboo, it's not because of their making, it's because of the neighbor had planted bamboo before yeah. On their property line, and then, of course, bamboo has no boundaries, right? It wants to go wherever it can, and it gets into their property. I was talking to a lady yesterday, She was a day before yesterday. She was in the garden center, and she wanted to know what we carry that she could use to help her control bamboo that was, of course, coming from her neighbor's yard, right? Mm-hmm. And the funny thing was she said, because I've been pour, uh, pouring boiling water on this bamboo, and I'm thinking, well, so I gave her, you know, I said, to me, the best way to get rid of bamboo is either use something like a Roundup-type product or a brush killer-type product. And in fact, I really like alternating between the two. And that's what I told her. Uh, you know, glyphosate, Roundup, uh, triclopyr, brush killer, and just alternate between those two. But then I got to thinking, I never heard of anyone ever using boiling water to kill bamboo. So I got online last night and started reading about it. Well, sure enough, mm-hmm. you know, there it is. They say you can cut it way back, uh, get a shovel or a pitchfork, and kind of loosen up the, uh, or expose the roots if you can, right? Right. And start pouring this boiling water. Now, of course, it said on there multiple applications may be needed. Well, I don't care if you're using, you know, a flamethrower, multiple mm-hmm. applications may be needed, right? Right, right. But I didn't know, uh, I just, I'd never heard of someone using boiling water. Now, at the same time, Veda and Jim, I'm thinking, well, okay, she's been using boiling water to help control this bamboo, but yet she's in the garden center looking for something that's going to kill it. Right, right. Yeah, she got tired of trying to carry the bull and water all the way out there without spilling it on her. <laughs> Maybe, but my whole point is if you're ever going to plant bamboo, be careful what you're getting. There's some bamboo that run everywhere. I love the clumping-type bamboos. They're not nearly as aggressive, but even at that, if you want to be a good neighbor, put down an underground barrier and keep your bamboo where you want it. <laughs> Okay, that's what people say. Keep your trees on your side, your cats on your side, and your bamboo on your side. I don't care about it the cats and the work. trees. It's just that dang bamboo you got to be careful with. Let's go to Kim calling from West Memphis. Good morning, Kim. Thanks for the call. You're in the garden. Hi, Vanda, Kenneth, and Jim. Hello, Miss Kim. How are you? Good morning to you. Um, good morning. You, you <laughs> <laughs> okay? Sorrows and joys of growing tomatoes. You all know all about it. Oh yeah. My cherry tomato got the blight Aww. a week ago yesterday, and, and of course, Eddie and his wife were out of town. That's when bad things would happen, uh, you know. Of course. Why does things like that happen? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah it's, 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 we're on a fallen planet. But yeah. that's the sorrow. And normally I don't try to call Eddie till, you know, day after they're back. But <laughs> when they came back, uh, <laughs> Eddie, I'm sorry, but you got to come home. I know you hadn't unpacked yet, but <laughs> yeah, I, I got I a said, question. I need eyes over here. Yeah, I yeah. Said, My Tommy is dying. He said, oh, it's just cherry tomato. You shouldn't have to cry. I said, but it's my Tommy. Oh. <laughs> He's my kid. Anyway, so he came over on Tuesday, the day after he got, they got back on Monday. And he said, yeah, Tommy's dead. I know. Oh. But, but the good thing, Veda, we can rejoice now. <clears throat> I had a friend come over last Saturday and, to help me pick because I can't see. And she knew, my, she knew Eddie and his wife were out of town. Mm-hmm. And my friend picked a huge jet star. Okay, Ooh. so Eddie on the phone said, well, I got a jet star, weighs 11 ounces. I said, Eddie, I think mine's bigger. I think mine's over a pound. He brought his scale, and he said, sure enough, it is. He said, it's 16 and a half ounces, the one that my friend and I had picked while he was gone. But while he was here Tuesday, he picked a bigger one, weighed 17 ounces. Oh, are you taking it to the tomato contest? That's what Ken said, but I had given the 16 and a half ounce one to a 91-year-old friend of mine who loves tomatoes. You know, as my love offering. Yeah. And then the 17-ounce one I gave to my friend who had helped pick the 16-and-a-half-ounce one. Sometimes that's better than the the prize, you know. You know, but Veda, I didn't think it would last that long. Right. That's that's true, too. We still got uh, two weeks to go. Yeah. So then I ate the 15-ounce one myself yesterday. But (laughs) you all would love all this. You know, I just have one Arkansas traveler now and one Jet Star, but they are both doing great. Praise the Lord. Yeah. You know, I know you call it bragging rights. I say praise the Lord's rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Kim, you're growing both of these, the Jetstar and the Arkansas Traveler tomatoes, in containers, correct? Yes, 24-inch pot. Well, and you got to, you know, yeah. well, you got to give me your secret also, because typically, you know, you don't normally get a tomato that big on a tomato grown <laughs> mm-hmm. in a container. I, you know, you know some of the secrets. I sing to my plants, mm-hmm. and I pray for them. I quote scripture to them, mm-hmm. talk to them, and you know, of course, I do the fertilizing that I can. Yeah, um, yeah, but, that fertilizer is definitely helpful. <laughs> yeah. but, a lot of times we I, don't fertilize quite enough when they're in yeah. containers or water quite enough. So yeah, uh, yeah well, see, I my tendency, Veda, you know, I think you and I, being women, we like to nurture, mm-hmm. so we think we're helping them when we water, right? So. I have drowned a few things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't... But, you know, uh, I I do what I can and pray for them, and they they do very well. I think all three of you pictures of, you know, some of the tomatoes. I, I tell to you what, my email. I haven't looked lately. Look forward to seeing that, Miss Kim. Yeah, Miss Kim, and I tell you what, it's really remarkable what you do in containers. And, I mean, I'm still always blown away uh, but it takes, it, you know, it is it is work involved. And I know you're out there every day taking care of these things. And just like Beta just said, you know, just the watering part of it, you know, that's a full-time job. But whatever you're doing, Miss Kim, just keep doing it because it's working. So, I want, Beta, I want you to see your email because you'll I be will. proud of it. I will check it out, Miss Kim. And Jim, too. I looked at them last night. Oh. I looked at your pictures last night. You wish you had that big tomato to eat, didn't you, Jim? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Love the murder. <laughs> to hold it in the picture. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, well, we're going to run to a break, and thank you, Miss Kim, for calling us and updating us. And thank you, Miss Kim. We'll be right back after these messages. Morning gardeners, welcome back to Mid South Gardening. We've had a great time up here with our tomatoes and the wonderful food that Jan brought. She's such a good cook and makes really good, neat things. And so uh, that was nice hearing from Miss Kim. Like Jamie said, maybe she should be a judge next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would work out well. So anyway, back to the slugs. No, I'm kidding. So you know when you throw dirt, you're losing ground. <laughs> Thought I'd say. Yeah, I think I got that one. <laughs> Just thought I'd say. Hey, you know, we've had some storms come through here. And during that time, we've had a good bit of damage on a lot of trees out there. Some trees are completely mm-hmm. down, as we know. But some of them are, are not. But I think it's two things I wanted to bring up. One is the trees that have been blown down. Of course, we go out there and we cut them all up, get rid of it. But then we typically have to grind a stump at some yeah. point, right? And then when we grind the stump, what the byproduct of that is a whole bunch of raw sawdust. And I actually had a guy call me the other day and wanted to know if he could use that raw sawdust as his as mulch. He said, I'm not going to throw it away. Can I just put it in my beds? And I said, absolutely, you can once it's broken down. Um, so you don't want to use raw wood, raw sawdust. Jim, Veda, uh, as... <laughs> Are you waking us up? What, huh? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, but, I mean, it's because it, it'll just suck all the nitrogen right, right out of the soil. Right, yeah, and so many people do that, and then, then their plants are suffering, turning yellow. Right. And it was all just because of the raw sawdust, which you feel like would be the best thing to do to recycle it, but... You're right, but you can put it in a pile, let it sit there for, you know, what, eight What's months? What's a pile? Uh, pile? Uh, uh, a pile? It's just that southern talk, you know how it is. You've been in the south long enough <laughs> to know, know what a pile is. I know, but I just is. have to harass you because you have such a southern, southern <laughs> accent. <laughs> he said that twice, Jim. <laughs> so you you let that, uh, that, that raw material break down uh, mm-hmm. for about eight, eight months, <laughs> and, uh, and then you can use it. Now, the other thing I wanted to, the, uh, the, the issue I wanted to make a point of was on the trees that was, that weren't, wasn't, um, severely damaged, but there are some limbs out there that, mm-hmm. that had, that came out of the tree for whatever reason. Uh, if you, I've seen some trees, Veda Jim, that have a, uh, a jagged, just a torn, twisted, yeah. jagged edge where a limb used to be. With, there were, they're twisted, ripped yeah, off. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking, how important is it to go up there and make a good, clean, fret, you know, just clean cut uh, to where you have those jagged edges up there? It's really important to make a good, clean cut, unless it's going to be dangerous to your health. Well, true. <laughs> so it's always put yourself up there first. But... It, it, but does it matter on smaller limbs? I mean, we can just let that go, but especially on bigger limbs, don't you want that? You want to get out there and get that good, clean, fresh cut, right? Anything that's big enough to catch water inside yeah. that yeah. is needs to be cleaned up so that doesn't happen. You know, when you're talking about stuff that's thumb size, you know, that's not going right. to be an issue. Right. But when you're talking about things that are, you know, the size of my thigh, which is pretty large, um 
Yeah, Y'all are uh, so mean to yourself. Then uh, <laughs> you really need to clean that up. Because what will happen is you can get water in there. You've got sap already that's leaked out. You can get fermenting there. And you can get a heartwood rot that will work back into the tree. Now, the mm-hmm. tree's going to look just fine. You're not going to know it until the next really heavy storm, you know, five or six years down the road when the tree snaps and you see it's hollow inside. Right. It's lost all of that inner strength mm-hmm. that it has. So um, it, it is important. And, and what you'll do, you know, if you've got a big tree, is get an arborist out there and have, mm-hmm. just have them come out and clean it up, clean up any of the, the ugly stuff up in there uh, and the get out stuff. the hangers, you know, that are that are there. Uh it, it will pay you to take care of the tree, you know. Uh, you want You don't want to have to take that nice tree down, you know, in 10 years because it's unhealthy. And they're not cheap to take down. Right. Uh, it'd be much cheaper now to go in there and clean it up uh, so that you can keep it healthy. Yeah. You know, so like in our urban situations, a lot of times our feeder roots or our anchor roots and all that don't get to anchor just as much as they should because of being in an urban situation. Um, so having arborists come in and thin your trees and clean them out for urban situations mm-hmm. will actually take some of the weight off. So maybe you're not going to have the tree fall on your house. Um, you know, so that's a, another thing because the people a lot of times don't want trees because the liability of them falling on the house. But really all, all it is, is a tree is like anything. You have to take care of it and groom it to fit into this urban situation. So don't buy a house just because of the tree. Just put it in your budget to have someone mm-hmm. check it periodically. And yep. it's, you know, it's a pretty decent budget for a tree. But, man, just think, you could save that much in air conditioning. Yeah, and, and the the appearance, though, of a of a nice groomed, uh, and, and I'm, I'm just envisioning a mm-hmm. big oak tree. Yeah, uh, like you would like to have over your house. Yeah, I mean, they, but to <laughs> me, they just look so much better mm-hmm. if they have been properly pruned over the years. Compared to a oak tree that's never been touched, it's got dangling limbs on it, like we were talking about a second ago. Uh, it, it, it's just a big difference between the two. And I'm like you, if 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 an oak tree or, or any big tree has been properly pruned or thinned or cut like it should have been over the years, uh, you know they're not these big catchers' mitt of winds either. Yeah, yeah, that you know, so right. they do have a a better chance of not coming down, mm-hmm. like you said, Veda. Uh, in, in these heavy storms with high winds because, there again, the root systems, as we all know, they're very shallow-rooted around here. Yeah. They're not deep-rooted now, of trees. of course, I know people are out there saying, because there's always exception to the rule, that I've had people there have is. went out and had the arborist check on it and everything's hunky-dory, fine and perfect. <clears throat> tree still fell on the house. <clears throat> oh, well. But, I mean, there's always that. So don't use that as an excuse to not. Because I just need people, just y'all need to conserve your trees and take care of trees. <clears throat> It's so much benefit to our environment and to to us. I mean, like you can be on a city street and there's no trees and the ground temperature is 122 degrees. Or you can be on a city street that has canopies of trees and the ground temperature is 80. Mm. So just really think about how important the trees are. And use. sometimes we want to put more money into our annuals than we want to put into our trees. Well, and, and the, you know, like you said, there's always exceptions to the rule, but even the mimosa tree that came down in my backyard, this mm-hmm. mimosa tree was perfectly healthy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, one thing, though, it was back mm-hmm. in a back bed, okay? Yeah. And it was, and, and behind it was woods, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a canopy of the woods yeah. right behind it. So it was kind of growing kind of outward away from oh, sh- the shade of the of the woods. Right. So it was not growing help? straight up and down mm-hmm. like it probably normally would have been. So a lot of times we can go back and look at these and like, oh, okay, now maybe that was the reason. You know, in yeah. conjunction with a 80... Yeah, hundred mile an hour wind makes it. Yeah, I mean it was a significant factor in it. It did bend telephone poles over. Yeah. Hey, so I always hear of big oak trees falling. What other oak trees and what other trees do we lose like that? It always seems like it's the big oak trees. Well, typically that's that's what you have around here in Shelby County. Most of the big elms are gone. You know, we got Mm. some, but yeah. The tulip poplars, I don't think you could blow those over. You can't. <laughs> right. That's, that's what Although Kenneth's been hoping that for years. <laughs> it hadn't happened. Or oak trees around long enough yeah. for them to get. But so many old trees are going down. It's making me very yeah, sad. I was so sad to see that big white oak at uh, the Highway 64 store it come down. Massive. Uh, Probably been there 300 years. Yeah. it's It was a beautiful tree. And, uh it's loaded with resurrection fern, which I'm probably going to steal some. Yeah. Uh, but it, it just uh, such a shame to see that go. High winds, well, like you said, Jim, has a lot to do with it. Yep. Well, if you want to plant a tree now, I mean, you can. You just need to not go on vacation. need to really be aware of your watering situation and all of that. But be thinking that, again, coming up, fall is going to be the time to plant. And also, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of replacing of plants because a lot of us are just going to be tired of waiting for them to recover. And so if you're thinking in terms of needing to replace a lot of plants, you might want to go ahead and call your garden centers and and find out what they're going to have or go ahead and get some stuff ordered, you know, because there could be simply since there's been so much storm damages, maybe not enough inventory for the fall. And then I'm telling you right now, relying on your neighbor to water for you when you're out of town. Mm-hmm. I had a guy come into the garden center the other day looking frantically for a particular rose, okay? <laughs> and I said, well, we you know, we don't have it this time of year. We had it, uh-huh. okay? But this time of year, we, we, we've sold out. We'll have some more next year. Well, he was trying to replace a rose mm. in his neighbor's yard that he's supposed to be taking care of. But at least he was trying. Yeah, I know. Okay, so that was just another one of those where example of <laughs> he was supposed to be taking care mm-hmm. of that rose. Of course, he didn't. The rose yeah. died, and now he's frantically looking for a rose to replace it with, and maybe the friend that he's you know doing mm-hmm. it for would never even know it. I tell you what, those um, quick irrigation kits that you can buy at hardware stores. I bet he wish he had that thing, Veda. containers. Y'all, y'all really ought to. It's very easy, and it'll solve the problem while you're going out of town. All right, y'all, we'll be right back. Give us a call, 260-5926. We want to thank uh, our friends at uh, Palladio for sponsoring the show, and yeah. also our partner, Herbis Systems, uh, Kenny Crenshaw and the Let Me Kill You Weeds, dude. Right. Say that again. Um, let Me Kill You Weeds. Let Me Kill You Weeds. <laughs> well, He's uh, been if, around for a long time. I've done his ad since early 1990s. Well, and, uh, Jimmy says that, you know, if you live in Arlington or Atoka, Bartlett, Carryville, Germantown, Lakeland, Millington, Mumford, Oakland, or Somerville, what kind of lawn or insect problems are you having? Fire ants, maybe? Weeds, of course, brown spots, bare spots. 
you know, our Let Me Kill Your Weeds guys at Herbie Systems can solve all of those problems. They've been making our Mid-South landscapes beautiful, what, for over, what, 40 years? Something like 40 years. I mean, it's crazy. They've been around that long. But I know a lot of people that use Herbie Systems, mm-hmm. including my sister. And my she absolutely does. loves them, I'm telling mm-hmm. you. Yeah, so... As we know, maintaining your lawn is complicated, and it's, you know, like you start off right at the beginning going, this is easy, this is good, I'm going to do it. But then a lot of times after a while, you're, like, tired of it, but then you want to trust somebody that can do your lawn as well as you can. So um, Irby System is a good lawn company to call, and they give you free quotes. Yeah, they did. of course, they've always got your back, and they are locally owned and operated right here in Memphis, Tennessee. And like Veda said, you know, if you can just, if you want to give them a call and get a free quote, guys, uh, it's easy. It's 901-390-9898. That's 901-390-9898, which is the same thing as 390, what, weeds or something? Oh, I say, no, it's the same as 390-9898. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and just tell them that you, if you give them a call, guys, and tell them you heard about this uh, ad on KWAM, KWAM, uh, and they'll take care of you. So once again, if you want uh, a lawn care company that has your best interest at heart, and they've been around for over 40 years, and they're locally owned and operated, Herbie Systems are the guys to call. And once again, that's 390-9898. All right, let's go to Dwight calling from Bartlett. Good morning, Dwight. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning. Um, I I guess I got a love for perennials especially and some annuals, but from my parents, my Mm-hmm. Mom and dad were sharecroppers, but she, she always had these flowers in the yard yeah. and would cut them and bring them in. And uh, so I do that occasionally. I'm sitting here now looking at a, a small arrangement, but all out of, mostly perennials out of the yard. Uh, one that I don't know what it is, but I call it uh, Grandpa's Whiskers, you know. Yeah, yeah, the Kiyomi, <laughs> yeah. Play on me, okay. Mm-hmm. Like I said, grandpa's whiskers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I probably overdo it, but still. Uh, but uh, like uh, I do a, a pink and a, a, a yellow um, uh, mandevilla, mm-hmm. and I've got a flock from my sister's house in uh, Decatur, mm-hmm. Alabama. That's that's the star of my yard. Yeah. It's just, uh, mm. just so great. It just grows mm. tremendously. And you walk by it, and it's like in a uh, what color is flower it? shop? Pink, mm. real nice. bright pink. And uh, but those are the tall ones. And then uh, put a, a cone flower in there, a black-eyed Susan, and uh, a periwinkle, and. Uh, one, by the way, it looks. I got it from my neighbor. Looks a little like a poinsettia. Um, that comes back each year, Ooh. a little bloom in it. And mm-hmm. then uh, I always put it, there's a baby's breath. Uh, it's not a baby's breath, uh, but it's white, and it looks like baby's breath. Is it like breath the wild aster that looks like the baby's breath, maybe? I mean, it could be Elysium, or it could be some, um, you know, diamond frost, mm-hmm. euphorbia, something yeah. like, like Ooh, that. Oh, that yeah. sounds so beautiful. Well, I like to put that in uh, several of my... Uh, patio plants, you know, that mm-hmm. it just sets them off. Oh, yeah. And, um, and, and a sprig of ivy. But the point is, uh, it, uh, 
my wife is always happy about them, and yeah. <laughs> I as well. And so uh, I, I think uh, most people probably do that, but in case they don't, I'd say go out there and, and cut some various length uh, mm-hmm. yard plants, you know, and yeah, that's try it a, out. That's a good ref- recommendation because some people think that if they didn't plant a quote-unquote cut flower yard that you can't cut any of the flowers, but... There's tons of stuff out in your mm-hmm. yard to cut and bring in. Some may last a week, some may last a day, but it's worth it. Well, I like the idea of Dwight also. He's got a, a, a variety of tropicals like mandevillas, you know, and yeah. he's got some perennials and he's got some annual color out there. And to me, that really is the best way to really have a lot of bloom during the growing season. So, Dwight, I applaud you for that. Well, I enjoy it, and uh, I enjoy your uh Show, of course. Y'all take care. Thank you, Dwight. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Dwight. I could just see that beautiful bouquet of flowers, all those different colors. Yeah, maybe it is that euphorbia, the um, diamond frost, because that is something close close to to the baby's breath, because we just really can't get away with doing the baby's breath, but it adds such good lightness and it's a good filler for bouquets. And what are some of the blooms, y'all, that you cut and you put in a vase and they last what? A day, day lilies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> day lilies. <laughs> so there again, there are a few plants out there, mm-hmm. perennials that have beautiful blooms, and you would think, man, I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna cut that and yeah. put it in a vase and have a nice bouquet. And four hours later, it's it's done for. Well, and people don't think about adding some foliage too with your bouquet of flowers. Mm-hmm. It's a good backdrop, and it helps fill the vase too. But there's all kinds of neat foliage to use. I mean, even if it's like a couple of sales off of a iris mm-hmm. it still has a nice structure and nice green to it so yeah mix mix um some of your foliage with your flowers and and real quick i know we got to go to a break in just a minute i was talking to a gentleman that planted a lot of uh well it was actually a young lady that planted a lot of zinnias in a bed mm-hmm. this year and what she thought she bought and she was was cut and come again you know there's state yeah. fair giant zinnias cut and come again and on and on and on but she said they, they all came up. She did thin them out, but the blooms are really small. Uh, and yeah. it, it's almost, it reminds me of a, like a Thumbelina yeah, right, type right. zinnia. Or, Jim, any idea or they did, why know, would they be so small? Uh, labeled other than, wrong. Right, yeah, right. Labeled other than maybe zinnias. just not the right label. Uh, because she says she's been growing zinnias in this bed forever and a day, and she usually just throws the seeds out there in the spring and they do their thing. Uh, if they're growing and healthy, then I'd say, yeah, the seed was probably labeled. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. If they're, if you've got some unusual growth habit or something. Then that know, could be herbicide damage or anything seeing, else. And I'm seeing an awful lot of that, you yeah. know, cause it's, it's gotten hot and they're still using some 2,4-D, I think. Right. And, um, so it's, uh, I it mean, in her be. eye, it all looked normal if other it, than just the bloom. And it's mm-hmm. probably just labeled. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. That does happen. Like on crepe myrtles, that happens all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, you plant a row of all white, and one comes out red yep. <laughs> because it was labeled white. <laughs> and it's hard to tell when there's no leaves or no blooms on them to know. But in nature, there is always some of the mislabeling that does happen. Well, Tags then, fall off. And this same person that I was talking to made a reference that there's a gentleman that he knows that he uh, he planted zinnias, uh, let's just say years ago, okay? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, he doesn't do anything to them. He just lets them die back. Yeah. And he showed me a picture on his phone of the bed of zinnias that the guy has this year. 
He never goes out there and reseeds. He doesn't mm-hmm. do anything because he's letting these things naturally die back, and they're reseeding on their own. Now, he didn't know what variety they were, but, y'all, mm-hmm. it was the prettiest bed of zinnias I've ever mm-hmm. seen. And these are zinnias, zinnias that are coming back from seed every year. Now, he's not putting a pre-emergent down in these mm-hmm. beds, of course. I was going to ask, how do you keep the weeds from coming up? Before the flowers come up. It, well, I, well, maybe it, just maybe weeds. Maybe had weeds and at weeds, the bottom, yeah. but I mean, these things were, it was a full of zinnias I and love it. full of bloom. And I guess my question is, guys, if you just leave them alone and let them just naturally die back, are most of these mm-hmm. varieties going to reseed themselves? Well, I would say most of them will not because I think mm-hmm. you'll find a huge, huge number of them are sterile. Mm. Okay. Uh, some of the old varieties, yeah, likely to reseed. So it's one of those, like, if I went and bought a packet of, of zinnia seeds and planted them and I just didn't do anything, just let them do their thing, yeah. I guess I would find out the next spring if they're going to come back from seed or not, right? It could be, yes. Your strongest uh, ones, yeah. But it was, y'all, I'm telling you, it was amazing. And the same thing with, like, vinca. You you mm-hmm. plant periwinkle, some varieties you plant, yeah. and you just let them die back in the wintertime, you'll be pulling vinca up for the rest of your life. Well, it is also amazing. Also, the million bells, too. There's mm-hmm. a number of varieties mm-hmm. that just keep coming back over and over if you don't disturb the soil underneath. Yeah. It's just, I know sometimes we don't have enough patience and we get rid of it too soon. But um, we're going to go to a break. And um, after the break, we're going to take Dale if he wants to hold on a second. But um, also, the other thing is think about, too, if you don't want to do any planting, then you could add things like bird baths, mm-hmm. fountains, benches, benches mm-hmm. and things like that. All right, we'll be right back after these messages. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Let's go to Dale calling from Memphis. Good morning, Dale. You're in the garden. Good morning. Hey, Dale. Hi. Um, uh, I'd like to enter the tomato contest. I don't know whether I'll have one, have them good enough, but I have a split leaf philodendron um, that I cut off from a plant that is now six feet by four feet with two dozen leaves. Mm-hmm. And I rooted it in water over the winter. And I put it in soil. The piece is only the piece I took off is uh, the stems are three, two to three feet, and uh, the leaves are about twelve to fourteen inches. And it looks spindly, but I put it in a pot with soil, and it it's alive. But the top of the soil has mildew on it. And I'm afraid I'm going to kill it. Should I uh, take it out of the pot and uh, rinse off, rinse off the roots and start no. over? No, just leave it. <clears throat> leave it there. Just take you a fork or something and stir the <clears throat> soil up on mm-hmm. top. Um, it, you've just got a little mold growing on organic matter, and that's that's okay. That's healthy. So it's like a, just a mycelium yeah, gym. It, not it's really... not dangerous to the your philodendron. It's spindly because it's in insufficient light. I mean, that's what causes plants to elongate. So the brighter the light you can give it, the better off it's going to be. Now, when you root plants in water, they have a different type root than when they in soil. So when you first put them in there, they may suffer a little bit, but they will eventually put out a different root that's suitable for soil, and, uh, and, and it'll take off and start growing for you. Will the, should the mama plant 
be um, uh, put in a, a larger pot when it gets, uh, it's like the pot I have now is about two and a half feet wide. No, that's and, that's plenty big enough. Yeah. Is it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, it's six feet by four feet now. Well, you and, know, if and, it had a tree to attach to, it'd be 30 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> it, you know, it's right now just kind of uh, being a baby. Uh, and if you need to, you can cut it off. It'll re-sprout. You can root some more tips on it to give away to friends. Um, but you know it. Uh, and if you if you give it something to attach to, the leaves will get con- consecutively larger. If it doesn't have anything to grow into, then the leaves are going to get smaller. Okay, that's oh. just the nature of the vine. Mm-hmm. Well, it has to be inside. Yes, uh, it does. That's right. <laughs> Uh, I could put it on a piece of driftwood. Yep, that would work. That'll sure help. You know, keep it moist for a while and and attach it to it, uh, and it will root into it, and you'll get larger leaves off of it. But wow. try to try well, to get it in the <laughs> try to get it in the brightest light that you can. Okay, not okay. Dir- not direct sun. Yeah. Well, I could put it next to my seventy year old um, bird of paradise. There you go. Yeah. 70? 70 years. Nice. Good Lord. Wow. My mother planted it. I'd be scared to look at that thing. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I mean, if you're growing a bird of paradise in there, then that would be kind of perfect light probably for it. Okay. Well, right. my piece of dress was a little too long for that, but I'll I'll cut it off. <laughs> right. I've had them. I actually had one in my bathroom that rooted into the wall. Mm-hmm. It was, it was growing in a pot. It grew across the back of the tub, then up the wall. And when it got to about six feet up the wall, I thought, you know what? I, it should be falling uh-huh. down by now. <laughs> uh, and sure enough, it, it, there was enough humidity that it just attached itself to the wall. Love it. My word. I can't, that sounds fantastic. I know. It does. It really does. I love that. <laughs> Well, I, mean, I think I have to live here the rest of my life in order to keep the bird of paradise. There you yeah, go. That's no amazing. <laughs> that truly is amazing, Dale. Does it bloom? Do you ever get it to bloom? Oh, yeah, yeah. It blooms twice a year. Wow. What cool. do you fertilize with? Um, I don't remember now. This year I used some twenty twenty twenty. Just an all-purpose, yeah. But uh, as, according to the Internet, uh, I should use twenty 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 instead of ten ten ten, which I have. It's the Either same way. thing. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the yeah. same thing. If you're oh, following, okay. if you're following label directions, you're putting down the exact amount, same amount of fertilizer with either one. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's um, a six by four foot directly in the ground. The porch is over the. Over the plant. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so the bird of paradise is planted in the ground outside. Yes, but oh. the but the it's surrounded with glass. Surrounded with glass, like in the nature. Oh, yeah. I got you. I got you. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah. I love that. That's a great condition for that. You have a water feature in that atrium too. You might <laughs> have I don't to add have you. water. I don't have water in there. Yeah, you might have to add you some of that too. But like uh, Dale, but like Jim was saying, uh, just because you're seeing that that growth growing on the soil where you have your cutting, I agree with Jim. Just kind of just just kind of rub that off of there, break that soil up a little bit, and you're going to be perfectly fine. 
Okay, well, then I can put that one on the front porch, but the other one's too big. <laughs> well, keep doing what you're doing, young lady. It sounds like you're doing a good job of it. Oh, my mother started it. <laughs> wow, that is so fun to carry that on. Good memories. I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for Thanks calling. for the call. Thanks, okay. Dale. There are so many neat varieties of the philodendrons, uh, the way their leaves are formed, so many other varieties of pothos, to where I'm actually doing tons of shade baskets using all the house plants because it's just so different looking. It's better than just an impatient hanging basket. Good Lord, you but know? can you imagine having a 70-year-old bird of paradise, though, and the pressure of trying to keep that thing yeah. alive? Lord. Great condition, though, in the ground. Yeah. So that makes it so much easier. Sounds like good lighting as well. Man, that lighting will wear you out trying to get enough light. And, and real quick, uh, we only got a few minutes. Uh, you know, if you're driving around town and you're seeing these uh, shrubs that have these beautiful white blooms on them right now, uh, most of those are going to be your paniculata-type pinic- hydrangeas. You know, the limelights, mm-hmm. the little limes, and the bobos. And the reason I bring them up is because it truly is an easy shrub to grow. These are hydrangeas that can take all the sun you want to give them, Great summer bloomers bloom off the same year's growth. Mm-hmm. You know, this winter didn't touch them. They went right through yeah. it. New problem. Um, but the limelight's going to get, you know, it's the tallest one. It's going to get six to eight foot tall. And then the one below that is little lime. It's going to get, uh, you know, five to six foot tall. And then there's uh, one below that called uh, Bobo. Uh, and it gets probably about four foot tall. So, um, those, because uh, I had a lot of people call and ask mm-hmm. me, want to know what these things are. And they've yeah. been on the market for quite a while now, but they're really great blooming shrubs. Well, garden centers have fabulous looking ones now, yeah. that's for sure. You know, it's always fun to plant when they're blooming, even though it's better to plant before they bloom. But we always want to buy it when they're in bloom. I think today I'm going to do a lot of fertilization on container gardens. I'm going to give them everything I can. I'm going to use the worm castings, the plant tone. I'm going to water it in with Which the is going all in. fox farm. Just just get it all done so it can have something to work with for the next couple of weeks. Because we are in, in the hard times of watering a lot, which is leaching all the fertilizers out. Um, y'all better be watering your hanging baskets. You better be adding compost, worm mm-hmm. castings to hanging baskets if you want them to last longer. Our containers in general... And thanks again to Jamie, Jan, Rick, and uh, Debbie that came up uh, talking about the the Great Tomato Contest. We really appreciate you coming up, Jamie. The food, we appreciate the food. Oh, the food is unbelievable. And also, uh, uh, next weekend, the Great Tomato Contest at the AgriCenter Red Barn. Is it next weekend? Yes, next weekend. Yes, it's already here. It's amazing. It'd be a lot of fun. So everybody get your tomatoes uh, and get out there and really enjoy the day. Uh, it, it's always going it's always a lot of fun. And Jamie, we appreciate what you do for the Memphis area master gardeners and what you do for us also, buddy. Yeah. And if you're not a member, join our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening, gardening in USDA zone six, seven, and eight. You can reach us just anytime, post your problems, uh, brag whenever you want to do, cause it's not bragging if you can do it. You know, <laughs> that's true. Um, uh-huh. It's, you know, it is fantastic. I, I always brag on it, but I'm telling the, really the truth because I try to follow a lot of other things to see what's going on, you know, because 
I mean, I talk to us all the time, so I want to see what's going on. But I always revert back because I get the best stuff on this garden page. Yep. Because the other pages makes me roll my eyes. And tomorrow, I am going to be 69, so wish me a happy birthday. Happy birthday birthday to you. Heck yeah, buddy. (laughs) That's just no way possible, Jim. Congratulations. You look awesome. We will see y'all next weekend in the garden.